Hey guys, it's Bert. I'd like to ask for a small favor. If you plan on buying my book, Life of the Party, then please pre-order it at BertBertBert.com. The pre-order sales are literally the determining factor on how well the book does opening week, and how well it does opening week determines how well the book does overall. Writing this book is one of the proudest achievements of my entire life, and I want to share it with as many people as I can. You pre-ordering it makes that possible. So do me a solid, pull out your credit card, and go to BertBertBert.com and pre-order Life of the Party. Thank you so much. You know I love you. Today's guest, stand-up comedian, motivational speaker, and Reality Bites back contestant, Kyle Cease. This is The Bertcast. Hello. <clears throat> All right, I'm recording. My note I got. Here, there's a mic right there. Grab that. So wait, tell me. What was the one you heard? On the- um, uh, I'm sure I've not asked that right now. No, no, no. Story. No, no, no. Um, so we're recording. I was. You can't tell a comedian. I heard your one thing and then start. No, no, no. It was uh, you and your partner, the the teammate you had on the podcast. The the girl. No, the dude. Okay. It was an early one. It, it was, was like early an early one. one, and it was talk about. It was like saying things to make them real, and you were talking about, uh, like it was it was it was. I, I can't explain. It was like you were saying, like, man, that uh, flight was flawless today. And he was like, yeah, it was. And you're like, I can't believe how great dinner was. It was all stuff that hadn't happened, mm. but it was putting it out there in the universe. Oh, as if, oh, you mean here? Talk, make sure, make, let me make sure you're getting levels. Talking to the mic. Testing, kinda. one, two, yeah. three. Uh, talk, was per- it the, the Caligal exercise? Perfect. I think so, yeah. So, in, in the man cave. Hold on one second. Okay. Kyle Cease. Kyle Cease, I've known for a very long time. I would say since... I knew you at the Laugh Factory, like, like I mean, 99, 2000, something like that. I yeah. Guess. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I would know it was definitely before I had kids, so... Wow. Yeah, um, and now I got two kids. That's amazing. And then we did, uh, we did uh, Reality Bites Back Together. That was so fun. That was an interesting group of people. Yeah. It was, that was... Uh, that was that was the that was my first that was my first experience of the way uh, you worked. I don't know if you remember this. I, I actually said this. I actually complimented you on this to someone. I forget who. I was just talking about you to someone, and I said because I was saying you know I'm excited. I want to get Kyle on the podcast. We've been going back and forth. Yeah. And Chris Fairbanks was going to get voted off by Theo Vaughn. He okay. knew it. He knew it. And he we were all standing in the back of the line. And Chris was freaking the fuck out. And you're like, <laughs> and Chris goes, what do I do? And you said, very plainly, why don't you go up and ask him not to vote you off? <laughs> and then, he, then I got voted off. Yes. But he went up and he said, Theo, I need this. Will you please not vote me off? And Theo was like, <laughs> okay. And so he didn't vote him off. And then you got voted I was off. So, you know, I was so glad in a way that I was when I saw what the future ones were, when you all had to gain weight. And then uh, after that's diving. So like you have to be Diving one's the one I got, I got kicked off on. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but it was interesting. I, I wish I could remember who I talked to this about. Um... I, I I must have already posted it, but I was saying that it was whatever it was. I want to say it was like I want to say it was like fourteen grand an episode, or seven grand an episode, or eight grand, ten, twelve grand an episode. It was a lot of money for five hundred. Is what's coming into me? Really? That's what I remember. I have no idea what my. Yeah. But it was like it was whatever it was. It was per episode, and you only got paid if you were on that episode. And we realized that the first episode, and then it got very competitive. Right. And the fun got taken out of it. If they had just given everyone a guarantee of, like, say, like, if they had just basically said, 
look, we're going to give everyone forty five grand, right? And then just have fun with matter. it. Yeah, it just doesn't matter when the you show get voted would have been off. So much better. Oh yeah. You know what was really weird was I, I'll never forget when we when we walked into the house on the first day. I, you know how you have like a go to mediocre celebrity you might reference as a as a joke. Like sometimes you'd be like, oh yeah, like Nipsey Russell's around the court. Like you just yeah, say yeah, this yeah, thing. Yeah. Mine has always been Greg Luganis. And so when I walked onto the set with you and Amy Schumer and everything like that, I said, uh, when do we get to meet Greg Luganis? And I was just making a joke. And the producers, I remember, like, looking at each other with this. And then I Shut. put together when on episode three, Greg Luganis was actually there. No, it was episode, it wasn't three. Or whatever, it was like It was like six. That's when I got voted off on, because yeah. Greg, Greg Luganis is a massive heterophobe. So, <laughs> but it was so hilarious, because... They freaked the fuck they out. They were like, who told him? And they were all worried. And I, I didn't know, I didn't catch all that, but I put it all together when I saw Greg Luganis right later. That oh. They were all looking around and asking me about it. All I remember is, we, I drove down with Mo Mandel, Amy Schumer, Chris Fairbanks... I think that was it. Yeah. We drove from where we were down to Long Beach, and I drove everyone, and Amy made a joke going, and Theo, it was five of us. Mm -hmm. She was like, God, I hope I don't get fucking voted off this episode, because the ride back will be so uncomfortable. (laughs) And I got voted off, and it was (laughs) silent. I mean, we didn't speak to each other at all. Dude, that was, that, I remember, though, you and Chris and Amy, like, that was the hardest, like, that, those three days that I was there, even though it was just a minimal time. I was cry laughing like the entire time. Like everything was so funny. Oh, I Every, everything it, was so funny. I got to be honest with you. I had more fun. I had more fun. They, I think they fucked that show up in that they tried to make it into a sketch show, but they really used reality as their backbone. Yeah, and so they would ask us to do sketches, but they weren't allowing us to be funny. No, and then they hired like uh, AJ. No, AJ. Some guy, they hired some guy who's now like the head writer of like Fallon or something. Right. Um, I forget the guy's name. He's AJ Miles. Okay. Miles AJ. Oh, a- I know who you're talking about. It's uh, he's kind of got red hair. He's got red hair. He looks yeah. like Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, he was in the he was in the final, in the whatever one was the Gladiator spoof. Right. He was a commentator in the Gladiator spoof one. Didn't I, you have? One I don't that? remember the Gladiator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, he was. Yeah. But what's so interesting is that he didn't know any of us. And I'm sure he was just told to do something, but he was so mean. Like, Hmm. he was so fucking aggressively mean that none of us liked him. And none of us wanted him to do well. Right. Because he was not, he wasn't very nice. He was good friends with Michael Ian Black. Michael Ian Black was mean to us, but he was actually really nice to us. Right. And and we were doing a bit. I mean, and we knew Michael Ian Black was doing a bit, but he would make fun of us, but in like really hurtful ways. (laughs) Like, like. And yeah, and and he, I'm sure he assumed he was being, he was killing. Or I don't think he really even cared. Yeah, I, I really don't think he cared. A- Eighty miles, eighty miles. miles. That's his name, yeah, his yeah, and and um, and I remember like going like I, I I no one knew who he was. I'm sure he was very big in like the UCB and stuff. But like Michael Ian Black was friends with him, and we were all good friends with Michael Ian Black. And and Michael introduced him, and he blew us off. And then we were like, well, that's weird. And then he started making fun of Red Grant being black, and oh, Red Grant got pissed. It was like, and we were all. It was like Red was our brother. We yeah. and we got. I remember we, it was on the one, and then Red got kicked off, and he made a joke about Red, and Red did not fucking like it. Wow. And we didn't like it. So we were like, oh, so he thinks we're all fucking fools. And then we did the next one, and he and it's he was weird to have like us be these people that are Comedy Central people. Yeah, like they're going to give specials to and everything, and they want to make us. I look got offered good an and- hour special and a. Th- half hour special directly after that yeah it was the best intro i've ever had with comedy central and yeah. and since then that guy by the way for the and i don't i'm not talking shit about 80 miles this is our one experience with a guy yeah i've never met him since but and i know he's 
I must be very funny. He's been working ever since. He's on um, some great uh, Tim and Eric sketches. He's very mm-hmm. funny. Um, do you like Tim and Eric? I, I've never really watched it. <laughs> There's a couple of sketches that he did that I liked his character. And hey, I met him once in an audition. He was nice. But I mean... You yeah, know. I'm sure he's a very but, nice guy. They just put him in a bad role because they had him mocking us. But we were all in a very sensitive situation. We were all very... Uh, very needy dude we are needy I yeah mean, comics the, are needy by in general yeah. but we were extra needy because all of us wanted that seventy five hundred dollars for the next week it was weird to put us in a position too where we are all about that camaraderie with the other comics and we're against them you know at the yeah. same time and we don't also have the clarity if we're really competing make sure you talk funny. a little closer just in just sure. literally people i must have a million sound engineers that listen to this fucking podcast they count comment on two things if people don't talk in the mic and if i breathe too loud so i fucking <laughs> sit here and go <laughs> and then i'm always like who talking to the mic i'm talking to the fucking mic so they don't even hear the guest while you're just yeah. breathing heavily exactly yeah. uh, that's i've had one episode where I, even i was like oh, damn it i'm having an asthma attack so um but you were saying there is a camaraderie but there is a little bit just, of a you know, like that's what I'm even working on now is like bridging two opposing worlds together. You know, and yeah. and with the with um with that show, there was a massive camaraderie. Like I just had so much fun with you and and the other comics. Like we had, I I mean, it was unbelievably we were hilarious. Staying, our first episode where we were all together, we were all at a mansion in Encino. Dude, that was so fun. We're it, staying overnight and staying overnight and fucking partying. And 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 the show. Was, All of your moms showed up, but oh, my fuck. my mom was a playmate. Remember that or some? Oh like, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. I was like tethered to this model. And that was your doing. That was your undoing. Was that on that one episode? Was that everyone's mom showed up? So everyone's moms like there had like the was, mom had a vote too, and so the moms were all on the team. I can't remember the specifics of it, but I remember leaving, going, "I got totally screwed because." There was like a misunderstanding of my mom's answer versus what – there was some th- – I can't yeah. remember now what happened, but I remember for a month having this big story about how I got screwed over. Yeah. You know, because reality shows – I've done three different reality shows and no one – What reality shows? Well, I had done Last Comic Standing uh, and then they worst had – experience of my life. Too much – they had too, a lot of white guys. And so I, on an episode that I won, they recut it to look like I didn't. Yeah, and so so there was an episode. In fact, I think you and I were. were I mean, this is like ten years ago, but you and I were working in that same time. I think on Last yeah. Comic Standing, and so we were in this thing, and I remember being in a top two choice out of twenty or whatever, and then I had that red envelope, and then way later they. <laughs> They there was just something that they have to redo it, but they didn't redo it with me there. They just the cut literally showed on Comedy Central, or I'm, I'm sorry on on NBC. NBC this wide shot of all of us, and then they go and the winner is, and then it cuts to a close up that they did later of another guy as if I'm standing there, but it was a close up where that wasn't there. And so I know that I have the red winning envelope, but then it made it look like I lost, and I think that they I that, think that what I heard was they needed more different races and. And ethnicities. And that, stuff. that show, I had such. A, they're doing another. I think another yeah. season. I had the. I've literally. I literally, literally had the worst experience of my life in that show. And what was I. Uh, oh, I just. <clears throat> it was uh, being competitive. I didn't enjoy going on stage. Yeah. I thought of it as a as a lottery ticket as right. opposed to what I love to do. And uh, I had really hardcore anxiety going up on stage. And I had a friend that was – I had my manager was working on the show. And he was just giving me like – they were telling me what to do as opposed to letting me be myself. Right. Like and I, I just was – and it really fucked with my head and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the process. No one was like super kind to me afterwards. It was – I was fucking – and they wanted me to talk shit about Ant. And I am prone to talking shit about people. Mm. Like if – but – 
in that situation, I just thought this is a bad idea, right. and like, and it like pitted us against each other, and and it was like there, that didn't need to happen. Right. There was a, a really great comic. Um, God damn it, I wish I could fucking remember his name right now. But they had us like, they had us like arguing, and and but we weren't even arguing, and we were arguing the same point. But it just I don't know. I, that whole fucking experience left left a very sour taste. In I my remember mouth. when, and I think I was pretty much using Xanax a lot at the time. After that year that I told you about, the next year was the Ant one that, you know, and Kathleen Madigan and Alonzo were the, the judges. Yeah. Which is so... Wait, we Ant one? No, no. The oh. Ant the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Ant one. Yeah. Dude, it's so weird because these are... We're all friends with all these people, right? Like, yeah. I just think about how we did Dublins with Alonzo all the time and everything, and then suddenly we're on the show where we're auditioning in front of them or there, and that's okay, but it was funny because... I get a call from my people, they, and I didn't want to do it. And they said, you know, my people were running that show at the time. And so... So it was mine. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we had the same people. And so they said, go, <laughs> could you go in there and go out for this? And I said, you know, I had a bad experience last year, and I didn't want to. And they said, we, we know you're good. You're, like, you're going to get it this yeah. year. And, and I can't that, tell you you're going to get it, but I can tell you yeah. we know who's going in, and you have a good shot. Right. You're like, And they'd convince you, fly to Nashville. It's you and John Heffron will be the two guys out of Nashville. Right. Go to Nashville. And then you go to Nashville. Nashville I flew to Nashville. I flew to Nashville. Me and John Heffron. And we and we knew we were well aware that we were kind of like we had we had call times. Yeah, we rolled in the back door. We didn't wait. We went up and did our set, our audition set. They passed us, and then we went back and took naps. Came back and did the late show. And we had to do good on the late show because if we bombed, we just wouldn't move forward. I mean, right. But we were fairly accomplished and. Yeah, so, but it was kind of shitty to the other comics. I remember Tim Northern was there, and Tim Northern was like, "Where are you from?" I said, "L.A." And he goes, "Why didn't you audition in L.A?" I was like, "I was told to audition here," and he was like, "What?" I was like, "I know story." It is weird, man. And and yeah, when I went in there, so I did it again, but I I literally fought myself on if I even wanted to do it forever. And then I went in there and I do one of my bits, and Alonzo and Ant go, Haha, Kyle, you know, you're great. You're coming through. And then there's this thing called the paddle that they had invented that where one judge one time in the day can pull up a paddle and outdo the other two votes. So Kathleen Madigan goes, I don't like it. And and Ant and Alonzo like, look at her like, no, no, he's he, he's great. you know. We, and she goes, no, I'm going to hold up the paddle. So then I, a second time, did Last Comic Standing, and then, you know, she said, I've heard the bit before, and I said, I don't know if this is it, Kathleen, but I worked with you last week. <laughs> you know, you might have heard me doing it, like, a couple weeks ago at the Comedy Store or something Holy like that. Holy shit. And so then I, I call over to my managers, I'm like, and, but when I walked out, the camera crew is flying after me, and they're like, what, did you, what do you have to say about Kathleen saying that? And all I kept saying was, my new Comedy Central CD is out. I, I wouldn't say anything else. My yeah. new Comedy Central CD is out. You can check out One Dimple in stores, you know. And I, I'm just, if you want to hear the rest of that, you know. But I wouldn't, I didn't want to give them anything. And they stayed on me, like, Kyle, we really need you to say, you know, I'm just like, I'm not going to hand you that footage. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's the one thing you got to be really careful about. Uh, I, I'm dying to talk to Mike Burton. You know Mike Burton? Yeah, he's the he's into Krav Maga. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dying to talk. Mike Burton's got a really great last comic standing story that I will save for him to tell oh, because okay. it's that fucking good. Wow. Um. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but but uh, I think yeah, I think we were both on that same pa- that same kind of trajectory of l- allowing your managers to kind of plug you into shit. And just getting plugged into like the Comedy Central system, which is a brilliant system to be plugged into. Right. You were hardcore plugged into it for like a solid I, I would say a solid seven years. You were like the number one comic on Comedy Central. 
number one selling CD, a number one played hour special, followed up by another hour special, which I always loved the names of your hour specials. I was always <laughs> jealous that I didn't have – because mine was like comfortably dumb. And then yours was like uh, – what was it? Uh Bigger and blacker, or weirder, blacker, dimpler. Because weirder, my f- blacker, di- yeah, yeah. My first one was called One Dimple because I have one dimple, and then and then Chris Rock had bigger and blacker, whatever. So I said, yeah. weirder, blacker, dimpler. What and the, but then but then you like and this and, is and what, I'm not. And by the way, what happened when I recorded that special versus what came out is so different. What do you mean? Well, I recorded that special in at, Seattle, right? In Seattle, and we did two huge packed shows at the Moore Theater and. You know, this was back when we had. I had a different manager then. You know, the one you had who yeah. we were talking about Barry Katz. I, I love him. I'm not talking shit about Barry at all. Yeah. Barry and Brian were our, our managers. We worked kind of close with both of them. They had a bunch of assistants who are now managers at New Wave. Yeah, um, and they were all great. Uh, but uh, b- but we're not with them. Right. So that's all. There. I mean, that's all that needs to be said is we're not there anymore. Right. But it was it was an interesting time in everyone's lives. We were young. Barry was hu- Brian was hungry as fuck. Yeah. Barry was now getting into producing and well, making TV. One thing I will say that was and, amazing and, about them was they got me on Comedy Central. Like they yeah. were the ones that did the push, and they, I was so thankful for that. They did not get me on Comedy Central. Like they didn't even submit me, and I kept going, "Why didn't you submit me?" And they're like, "Well, she's not your time." And I was like, "Hold on, it's not it's not your call to decide when it's my time. It's mm-hmm. the thing. It's Comedy Central's." But but I don't know. They maybe had some inside track of, "Hey, brought me up," and Comedy Central said, "Not yet." I, I will don't know. say though that in reach, but you're right, of course. But one thing that is cool with you is how much foundation you got to build in yourself. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm very hit. Now. I'm very happy I never got last comic standing because I would have just exploded right, and then fell apart. I'm very happy I didn't do my hour or didn't do 30 minutes early because I would have fucking fizzled and fall apart and I would have I I was I, I say this I say this to um this is this is so what I I know where you're going to go with this and I'm so excited. Do, do you know what I'm I don't know if you know what I'm going to say but I I, I, bet. I so I had so many inner dialogue conversations with Comedy Central of why they hated me. Mm. And I was so upset why they hated me. And they never hated me at all. If you're a young comic and you're listening to this and you're thinking, how come I haven't done this? How come I haven't done that? And you have these conversations. Well, clearly, someone has it out for me at Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. That is it. That has got to be it. And I say this to Zoe and uh, and Joanne and Anne and mm-hmm. all the people that that – have been nothing but uh, uh, amazing, people. Uh, amazing people in my lives. Jim Sharp. I mean, uh, 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 there's so many great. They were so fucking helpful. It was just, and it really was, truthfully, I wasn't ready. And I didn't know that. Every comic thinks they're ready way before they are. And and then when I was ready, they were but well before well, – probably at the same time as Travel Channel. They started plugging me into everything. Yeah. I mean I shot like pilot after pilot after pilot for them. And they gave me so many opportunities and nothing really worked. And, and that is the beauty of this business is you get the opportunities. They don't work. You're not, that doesn't mean you're out of the list. You go somewhere else. You start working somewhere else. You can always come back. But it was – I had so many conversations with – them in my head thinking they must hate my guts mm. then when i get to meet uh uh all the people at comedy central they were fuck gary uh, gary man amazing supporters yeah. and were, and literally it was almost like they had just met me and i thought they knew me for years they didn't know me i was not on their radar and then when you are they're like oh you know it's it, but i don't know if that, that's what you thought i was gonna well, say Well, i believe in a way and, and one thing that i believe and this is going to sound weird for a second but i believe very much that if you want something really bad 
you're not in alignment with it. In other words, like you're saying, <laughs> you're saying that thing. This is going to sound a little metaphorical, but I kind of go here because I see it that way. You're saying that thing will complete me. And you're saying immediately to yourself that you're incomplete without that thing. Yeah. And so the reason you and I, in our 20s and stuff, got nervous whenever industry showed up was because we suddenly wanted that. and We needed it to complete us. Right. And so, so you're saying, I'm incomplete. So the second you do that, you literally create a sense of lack. That's why if you go on a first date with someone you you know are suddenly nervous and you can't talk and you think oh why couldn't she see me all those other times yeah. it's because in those times you were fine and you didn't need anything and i believe our job is not to get all these things because we've had a million experiences that when something happens i'll be happy and then we got it and then just went what's next how many times have you thought when i get to date this person or when i got that tv appearance or whatever in fact if you don't have that alignment with yourself and you get those things i had a massive i had a massive that's an interesting point but i did my hour special i got done i didn't drink for like a month leading up to it i really got ready for it i prepared i went up i murdered i mean i got a standing ovation i got called back out on the stage did two more jokes that i had forgotten i had just forgotten and they were mm-hmm. dirty and i was like they're add-ons fuck it we'll tell them i killed that hour special mm-hmm. right i drove home so empty i drove home sober <laughs> by right. myself just empty as shit i was like so that was it it was like winning the super bowl you're like so that does not complete me clearly that is that doesn't do anything for me like and i got home and everyone came to my house to celebrate and i was like i don't think i want to drink because i don't really know what i'm feeling and i know that if i drink i'll just feel depressed tomorrow because i will know that this feeling did not help right and in fact it's almost more like how do i maintain this and more stressful you know i had um i one time did an event called gate it was uh, a combination of transformational speakers like Eckhart Tolle and people like Jim Carrey like these guys were all together and I was at this event and Jim Carrey said to the audience he goes I wish you could have everything that I have so you'd get that it doesn't mean anything because he because people live their entire life thinking if only I had this and yeah. then they don't quite get yeah, it but, but I, I think that's a I think that's an uh, a slippery slope of a statement because I think Jim Carrey is in such a place where he's like, I wish you guys could have the personal masseuse that woke you up and gave you a massage in the morning before you went to work out with the personal trainer and the personal chef prepared breakfast because you realize it's not that important. But I bet there's a person mm-hmm. in the audience going, I just want to pay my car bill. Can If I pay my car bill, that would take a lot of stress sure. off me. Like, sure. I agree with that. Like I, it's, it's Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees when you're someone like Jim Carrey because totally. you're, you're like, I mean, his life has got to be pretty fucking nice. Right. Just the fact that his bills are paid, I have a hard time complaining about anything because I don't have to. I, I don't have to. I don't have to stress out about money every single month. Right. I don't have to. I know that with my dates booked and with the shows, like that, I can cover my nut at the end of every month. I got to work, but I can cover my nut. Some people, let's say, uh, I'm not, not going to say a name, but like some younger comics are like, just put me on the fucking road so I can pay my bills. Right. I'm an, I, I would say to them, this is the way Atel said to me, you know, hey, listen, it just gets more stressful. It's not, it doesn't, right. it never fucking ends. Right. You want to get on stage? Well, I want to fucking sell out now. I want to do this, you right. know? But I know what you're saying. Right, right, right. Um, I think for me, one thing that I experienced in my life is that I, I, I was kind of, I wrote about this a couple of days ago, but one thing that I've been really reflecting on for myself is that I actually think even my very first memory was me being funny. Like I was in a high chair and at a restaurant and and I remember my dad giving me a lemon in front of like a bunch of guys to watch me make a face, you know, and they yeah. made a sour face and they all laughed and then I remember doing the face again even though it wasn't sour anymore, but them all laughing. 
And like, that was like a bit, you know, I'm yeah. in a high chair doing this. And I think that I have completely conditioned myself to get love for entertaining to that. And I, that that's, that's the error. That's the only thing I have. And, and I, I literally started doing comedy when I was a little kid. I was on stage at 12. I was working you at have, 15. Uh, not to, not to stop you from telling your story, but you do have a Jim Carrey trajectory, which is interesting that you brought him up because you were a young talent mm-hmm. that started working very like very young and doing stand up very young. I think that it's not a coincidence that the comics that all started young they have like Dave Chappelle, right? He he like had this kind of spiritual moment where he just went to Africa because yeah. you know the and and a lot of child stars, you know, they either do that or they die because there's some massive addiction to as you're still forming yourself getting all this abundance for just entertaining and you don't get to have a center of understanding who you are. In fact, I, I, up until about four years ago, my memories all are, you know, you walk into the room and you see who's in the audience and you think I'm going to, I can use comedy to get anything. Yeah. You know, that's the, it's, I'm not mad at myself for that or judging it, but that's, that's the best that I knew how, but Anytime you're nervous before a set, you're saying, I hope these people like me. You know, anytime all that stuff yeah. comes from, I hope I get love for this. I hope that I get something. And so I look at myself at, at you know, 12 and on, and I just use that to get women or, or agents or, you know, jobs. And I didn't also think I was anything if they didn't know about my movie credits or my TV or anything like that. Oh, that's such, that's such an unhealthy place to be in, yeah. too, because I, I know that I've... I know that I've just recently – oh, this sounds so dirty to say. But I just recently stopped telling people what I do or who I am or what I have like when I'd meet someone on an airplane. I was just going to say on an airplane. Yeah. You, need to, you almost need them to know it. You almost want to segue them I, into yeah, it. Yeah, because I look like dirty in jeans and a hoodie in first class and someone's like, uh, so what do you do? And f- now I'm just like – now I just say I'm a comic because mm-hmm. I go – I guess I'm old enough to have – Earned a first class seat as a comedian before I used to have to. I'd be like, "Oh, I have a TV show," right? And the people are like, "Really? What's your TV?" They've That's never so seen it. Me. They've never seen it. I look so fucking empty when I'm like, oh, "I have a TV show," and like, "Oh, so." But yeah, I'm definitely. But it feels so cool to hear that from you because it like gives me, "Oh, it wasn't just me," you know? Because <sighs> it's all of us. It's all of us. But like we, you know, like the, I. The younger version is when you see the dudes who get their first bit of swag from, say, like Comedy Central or The Tonight Show, yeah. and and then they you work with them on the road and they bring that that kind of shitty backpack that they got from the daily show or whatever and they bring it on a plane <laughs> and you're like you're like really like yeah. you're just bringing that because that is your credit on your lap so people know Dude, that you're I not was, a loser when i was like 22 23 i had man show underwear from the man show oh. that i wore on dates and if you know we got in bed they'd see my comedy central oh my stuff God. i mean it wasn't my plan but that just was a weapon no yeah you know yeah I mean? oh i got it so so and you'd remember when you'd see like You'd, you'd be like, I mean, for me, I was like, now that you're saying this, like 21, 22, and you'd see Dane with a Comedy Central hat on, and you'd be like, I gotta get one. I'd see a tell with a Comedy Central hat on, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, I'd see a tell with like a Late, late Show from David Letterman's shirt on or hat or something, yeah. and or Louis would have something like that, and I'd just be like, motherfucker, just get me that opportunity to wear something like yeah. that. Then once you get it, and and now mind you, Atel and Louie, I'm not shitting on them, but they, they were doing this in the early CK, 90s. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we worked with him a lot. I loved Louie. I love. I still do. I mean, I, he's not dead, but I love Louie. Um, 
the uh, but I, I mean they were doing this in the early '90s, so I'm not shitting on them doing it. But then once I did earn the Comedy Central hat, I just couldn't get myself to wear it. I couldn't. I was not that guy. I was like, okay, I'm clearly not the guy who wears the swag. Like now, I have Travel Channels hooked us up with some really fucking great bags because mm-hmm. we travel, and they're great fucking bags. And I bring them on location, but now I find myself bring, wearing them, taking them everywhere, and I'm like, fuck, like, yeah, it's kind of desperate. Yeah, the like, next stage you know? is like never having it. Yeah, right? the next stage is I don't do this at all. Oh, now I have so much fucking swag. All I have is swag. Yeah. Like I have. And I love, I love drinking out of my Letterman fucking coffee mug. And if, but this is this is the this is almost rides the same symbol. I drank. I had coffee with Greg Fitzsimmons' coffee mug this morning, and I see it and it cheers me up. I was like, "It's a fun podcast." I got to call Greg. I want him on my podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But but the thing is that those things now and getting laughs don't define you like they did in your twenties, right? No, like, yeah, they don't. That's yeah. that's the difference between because I'm actually starting to tour again. I'm starting to do this stuff again. Hold on, let's stop. And, and backtrack. Okay. So, uh, let me tell you how I see it. So, you were, you do, uh, like, two Comedy Central specials, our specials. Your CD is, like, the number one CD. It's through Comedy Central Records, which even to, like, the vast majority of comics is, like, how do you get a deal with Comedy Central Records? We don't, I don't need to know that. But that's that's a lot of guys are, like, I, they don't, who runs that? How do you even get that? And so, then... You go from there and you open the comedy classes, mm-hmm. the comedy boot camp, comedy boot camp, and and it does it it doesn't really get negative attention until Stanhope jump comes into right. the mi- mix, which I know that I don't know you've probably never talked to Stanhope. I'm assuming I have shut up several times. Really? Yeah. Um, and you know he still he still is behind his his anti-comedy classes thing. <laughs> it's not but much we of a had flip-flopper. Some very nice talks. I mean, we He's we've a had very sweet talks. guy. Like and I know people that listen to my podcast are fans of Stan Hope. I've always been a fan of Stan Hope. So I, I respect him yeah, immensely. Yeah, I do too. And and that was the most painful thing I've ever experienced so in my the life. Day, the most ex- the, the most day, challenging turning point of my entire life. I can tell you where I was when I saw your comedy boot camp promo. And I can tell you where I was when I read Stan Hope's letter. I can tell you where I was when I read it, too. <laughs> where were you? Where were you when you read Stan well, Hope's? Well, what you should know before this is... it's This is this is some of the most... It's funny because this has opened up such a different life for me, but it also is is still a place that I have massive internal stuff with, but, yeah. I, but it also opened up so many new doors inside of me. So before that happened, I should mention this. I, I You know that I've done tons of colleges. I've yes. done... Hundreds and hundreds of you colleges. and Daniel Tosh are the only two people that I know that have done you, Daniel Tosh, and Dane Cook. Yeah, I've like, done over 800. Yeah, so I spent all of my 20s on the road. I had literally, I had the two movies 10 Things I Hate About You and Not Another Teen Movie. Bucky Lowenstein, Bogey Lowenstein, Bogey Lowenstein. So I had, by the way, we got into an argument about you at the Super Bowl this weekend. If I was in that commercial, uh, the slow clap commercial, no, there's another like, commercial. Oh, is that what, what it was is? your argument? What was oh, your was argument? It? No, oh, I know the commercial you're talking about about the time machine that yes. did look like you. Yeah, um, my mom called me and thought it was me. Yeah, it, my mom said, "Why didn't you tell me you have a Doritos commercial?" I knew it was like, you. mom, I'm better looking. Yeah, I knew it wasn't you. Um, but there was a slow clap something, and my buddy Lorenzo and John Moore and and I'm uh, from Seattle, so yeah. there was a lot of me feeling. <laughs> but we all got in an argument of whether or not. You started the slow clap, if but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that but. was a spoof of what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. so yeah, I don't know either. So you let's go I mean? back. So you were saying before so, I cut you off, why oh, I'm a horrible interviewer. So at one point I did in 2004, 
And this story I've told on a couple of different things. So sorry if this is repetitive for it's not repetitive. I, I've listened. I listened to the one you, the podcast you did with Jimmy Dore, which was oh, man. I well, my first of all, I'll tell you my experience with that. I want to talk about that too because okay. that was he literally wrote me and was like, "Hey, I have a, a friendly place where you can." do your podcast on yeah. and then i just was a space while he tried to just yell at me and just tried to i felt like it was like she, he tried to shoot me with doug stanhope's gun and he didn't have it was just weird because i just sat there and then it was just a weird experience but i listened to that whole podcast on a ride from vegas that's back when i didn't know you i had i listened to it on my computer mm. like before i was like oh i can put this on my fucking phone but i listened to that and i was i had a lot of notes but that so long ago yeah and it kind of falls to the side so you were saying colleges so i'm doing all these colleges and at one point i literally book 68 colleges in a row so i'm going to for three months be on the road no uh going back home there might have been one quick stop at home for two days and that whole thing like nothing Every single day, I'm doing two to three flights a day to get to the next school. You do the gig. You're absolutely exhausted, but you're on the high from the performance, right? Yeah. You know that from doing a club and then doing radio five hours later. But then I got to get back to the airport, which is usually two, three hours away, yeah. return the rental car, you know, argue with Enterprise that I didn't make the ding or whatever, <laughs> you know, get on the next plane, hope that all two or three flights get to the next school. Yeah. The agent just wanted money, so they didn't route it good. You know, it's just like Monday, Maine, Tuesday, Florida, Wednesday, Maine, and you're just constantly living on the road. And the way that works is they'll go, the more comics, they, the more clubs they can book, the higher your number is. So if they're like, we got a run of five, that means that all five cl- clubs join in and buy the fucking buy the the nut for your performance and you get 15 grand for five clubs i'm i'm just ballparking it or five grand for three clubs and only a, and right. only 750 dollars for one club right there's so, a thing called naca Na- yes. national association of campus activities and it's really cool so basically the bookers of all the schools go there and you perform for like a thousand kids and you know they're broken down and maybe that's like a hundred schools and if you can go have a good set with an edge but still be clean that's what i did for that i mean you you can do it any way you want but i yeah. just chose to stay clean so i'd get all the private schools too and everything and i'd have a set where i'd, I'd usually choose to MC it and bond with them and because you get more time as the MC, mm-hmm. and i and i'm very off the cuff so i i riffed with the situations and stuff and and then i would literally open the calendar and book 60 to 100 colleges and, and then it was like four to five grand each or something like that minus travel minus the but the reason they book you is because yeah they can get you into their city sometimes to do a bunch in the same time yeah. but often that never worked it'd be like okay we got six in the next 10 days and there's one if you want in new york even though these are all in mississippi (laughs) yeah yeah and so like you'd fly out all the time so what happened was i just thought i was invincible because i'd be doing these schools i just i didn't sleep at all i'd sleep two hours a night maybe then hopefully get to sleep on a plane and i was just exhausted but i i was also on an adrenaline rush to get to the next gig and also you know it was kind of in my purpose i'm not scrolling through myspace or facebook all day i'm just like touring and thinking that i'm invincible eating drive through every day drinking coffee in the morning drinking alcohol at night you know and then yeah and then i get done with this tour a tad bit manic almost what's that a tad bit manic yeah, you're yeah. Just I, know, I know the feeling. The future. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I am fucking doing it. I'm on tour. I'm partying at night. Great shows in the afternoon. I'm making fucking more money than my parents. This is fucking right. what it's about. And I'm working. This is just my fall. 
You know, like right. yeah, I know, I'm making. Yeah. I'm right. You're making. I, have not, I haven't had that, but I know I'm that feeling. Meeting all these people, I'm partying. I'm, I'm having. I mean, it was just amazing, right? Yeah. So then, at the end of it, though, when I finally stopped, I go back home at this at the end of this tour. Now my body is full of just horrible toxicity. Right? It's yeah. Just, you know, I'm just full of Big Macs and all this stuff. And I went back on the road and I performed a, a weekend with Alonzo Bowden in uh, Vegas. And we go meet up with Joe Rogan at some uh, event in one of the hotels. And I just, I feel really hot and I start coughing and stuff like that. And Alonzo takes me to the emergency care and I turn, I have like horrible pneumonia. They're like, you need to lie down now. They stop me from everything. I can't perform. And I'm hospitalized on the road. Yeah. And. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the hospital for three days or so. And then I'm so bad that I can't get on the plane back home. So I stayed in the palace station for like four days and just got room service because I'm, I'm so sick and I'm screwed up now. And that stopped me a lot. And then what happened was in 2005, this is what happened. If I believe more and more, if you don't keep creating, if you don't keep creating new material or writing, a lot of times you get comfortable. And if you do that, you, your mind starts to roam while you're in your middle of your act. And, uh, (laughs) Your mind will creatively sabotage you, right? <laughs> my mind just entertains me in the most fucking delightful ways. Right. Like, my mind tells me jokes that I would never be able to tell on stage. <laughs> yeah, you And would. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, just say it. And I'm like, fuck off. Do you do it? Uh, sometimes, but most of the times, it's just for me. But but that's <laughs> the thing is, like, you're only preventing it because you're worried about what they think. You should say it, man. That's no, that. no, 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 no. You know? No, trust me. I learned the hard way a few times just because I think it's funny. It sometimes it's my uh, refined sense of humor mm-hmm. that is it's like a guy who's it's like a guy who's uh, a fucking sommelier going you can't taste the brilliance in this wine because if you taste it it tastes like shit but when I taste it I, I get it I get what you're saying and so like but there is something about like I uh, trust me I say a lot of shit that the average guy wouldn't say on stage but sometimes like when I get into a story that that maybe I've told a few times. I get into this place where I think, where I think of the thing that the thing that makes me laugh is the thing that would make everyone fucking shriek. Right. Like, wouldn't it be funny if I said this? Right. Like, but I'm, I know what you're saying. So you're, yeah. Um. So, so I'm on stage one night and I, I'm in the middle of my act and I'm killing because I did, I just did it for three months. I know my act like the back of my hand, but it's just in the same regular order of killing, you know, and I'm, I mean, I could do a three hour set with my eyes closed and not even think I was, it was good, you know, and yeah. out of, in the middle of a set one night I'm in on the road and I just think to myself out of nowhere, this is the start of the entire whole thing. My mind just says, while I'm in the middle of my act, it goes, I wonder if you think about it enough, if you could make yourself faint. And then right when I thought that, I looked at my hand and I started whiting out, which gave me, it made it move from a thought to a belief. And I've heard that a lot of comics have a specific thing. I heard someone has a thing where they're scared they'll shit their pants on stage. And I've heard, you know, different comics talk about that. And a lot of times I think what starts an anxiety is a really weird belief just going crazy. You know, like people be like, I just have this thing where I'm worried a penis will float in the room and be on my head. And my name will be Dr. Penishead for four months. And everyone will be like, that's not, that's not a thing. And you're like, I know it sounds weird, but it's my thing. And it's, yeah. so this thought came in and then I whited out or I didn't go totally faint, but I got close. And then the other belief I had is you can't not think about something. So what I'm going to do is my mind is going to keep thinking about this until I make myself faint. Well, I also had this happening while I was on the stage. So I was linking all of this shit to the stage. So I was creating a stage fright for the first time in my life. After 15 years of doing stand-up, I just suddenly was starting to be like, oh my God. Because the other thing was I thought who I was 
is a comedian. In other words, like what we said, you know, I use the comedian to get the woman, use it to get yeah. anything. I was this chubby kid in high school. I booked 10 things I hate about you and suddenly everybody loves me. So who I am is a comedian. Well, if that shit goes away, then who I am goes away too. So I got to keep it, right? And then you have this thing called, where you're imagining stage fright and you're thinking, who the fuck will I be if I can't stand on this thing? That's exactly right. Like I didn't even understand there was anything beyond this. You know what I mean? I actually, that, that factor wasn't even there. It was just like, well, if I'm not, you know, then, so that was actually what added to the anxiety is that this will end me, me, not, it'll, not my career, it'll end me. And this, this is interesting because I know, I know, I know where you are now and what you're doing now. And I want to talk about that, but it, this is the first kind of this is the first if i know you if i know if i'm if i remember correctly this is the first instance of you applying positive thought to a problem and solving that problem right because if i'm not mistaken you then book your half hour i well first at the height of this so this goes into a massive fear-based thing yeah where I get off the stage, I'm starting to talk about it all the time. I'm worried I'm going to make myself faint on stage. The girl I'm dating at the time goes, babe, you're not going to faint. Now I'm getting love for worrying. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then while I was at the height of it, I booked Premium Blend. And was it Premium Blend? I thought it was your half hour. Well, that came after. But okay. So first is Premium Blend. And Brian Volkweis says, don't, you know, I want you to kill on this. Don't screw this up. And my mind is going... Don't faint. Yeah, don't. What if I faint on it? So, <laughs> Oh, my, my God. Bro, Kyle, do you have any idea what a fucking legend you have been if you had fainted? I know. Blend? That's funny. You know, but just, I... Hey, I, uh, and I just took a fucking header. I tried... Con flipper on me. Just, <laughs> well, it's funny because I tried to tell myself that all the time, but I still... It was just escalating. Yeah. The anxiety got so bad that I would wake up in the morning horrified of everything. I would watch people walk by and how are they not feigning? I would stare at everyone on TV and picture them collapsing. And it got to the point where I couldn't walk anymore. I literally would have to have someone hold my hand where I would walk on, on specifically big, wide open floors because the, uh, the worst feigning anxiety came uh, several gigs after that. But one was when I did a high school gym, like I was doing an assembly and I did a big gym floor. And it was the one time in my life I sat in the chair during my act and, and I was so horrified and it was the worst it was the worst fear i've ever experienced in my life was that except for what we're going to talk about in a minute so at that point i got very close to suicide i i because i was sitting on the beach thinking about like i literally would wake up only caring about this premium blend set and how i'm going to ruin my entire career it's like my one shot after 15 years i've been working for and i'm going to pass out and it's going to ruin everything. And so my mind was like, the only thing that sounds good is a bullet in the fucking mouth. And and it was crazy. And I uh, I didn't kill myself. You'd be proud to oh, know. Shut up. I uh, just had that not done. <laughs> and uh, so I uh, so in September I do September two thousand five, I do premium blend. And it's the one time in my life that I took a Xanax, right? And I did premium blend. I cannot perform on a Xanax. Well, it was all... I mean, it took a half a Xanax. And it was... Because when I flew into New York to do premium blend, I was holding on to the rail of the the baggage claim. I was just... I can't believe it's finally here. Damon Wayans introduces me. I do my set with both hands on the mic. I'm holding onto the mic stand. If you watch my premium blend set, it's so fu- it's so weird because my feet are turned in. And, and I did like eight minutes in six minutes because I flew through. That's oh, what yeah. started that really fast shit when I went really fast. Yeah. And 
then I was done and Comedy Central uh, a little later. And like I, the only thing I was thinking is don't faint. That was the only thing. And just autopilot your act. Don't faint. Get through this. So then after that, Comedy Central goes. And for the record, that is what almost all premium blends feel like. Just get me through this. This is my first time on stage. There's right. 1,500 people in the audience. I'm losing my fucking shit. I don't know where the laughs are. Are they going to plug – like? and then you get done. You're like, huh, was, it's like a rodeo. Right. It's like losing your virginity. You're like, that was fast. Did I do good? <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, it was it – was, it was – it was horrifying and it was really fun too but it, you know because i was still on that stage but i mean I, the whole time the only thing that i was worried about was what i was thinking about and so a little later they go uh you know we're giving you your own half hour special and uh the girl is dating at the time goes oh no and i go what? and she goes well now i'm gonna hear you worry about fainting so on that fucking, for the next yeah. three months so the next day after the breakup hey <laughs> thank you so much uh the, the, i actually I went to a Borders and I was Googling anxiety. Like Borders who abort? Yeah. No, I went to... <laughs> yeah, I went to a bunch of aborters. I went to a bunch of aborters. Just to get my mind off it. Yeah. Like, it's like, in my life's bad. Look at these people. These guys, so, <laughs> guys are swimming in babies. Yeah, this is crazy. So I, I typed in anxiety and all these books came up and that brought me to the self-help section and then I saw Tony Robbins and I was like, huh, okay, let's let's look at this. So I pick Tony up- Robbins, who we all assume has to be doing something right, but the vast majority of people never really get his tapes. Well, and I and I I think that everybody is scared to grow because it would mean that what they believed before about themselves would be wrong. And a lot of times, people are are I I I I I just think it's funny. There was a study recently where they they went up to people on the street and they said, "Do you want free money?" And nobody took it. Because they thought there was a catch. Uh, well, I, I have a TV show where I take people on adventures of a lifetime. Everyone says no. Everyone says no because they assume there's a catch. They see a film crew, right. And they go, I don't want any part of that. That's gonna. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna look like a fool, right? They don't realize that I'm just gonna take them on a fucking hundred thousand dollar vacation, right? Or adventure because there must lose. be because there must be a catch. So how? Yeah. So it makes you as corny as it sounds. Like how much? Do we do that with our own beliefs? Like, well, I can't. There must be a catch if I could just have this thing. I've learned now after all this, and I'll get back to this. But life is really easy. It's it's it can be much easier than we make it. You yeah. know, and the biggest thing we have to deal with is the doubts. And I'm all about um, authenticity and speaking truth just as much as any comic. My truth is just what if my doubts are bullshit? You know, that doubt that says I can't do this. It sounds corny. We've been trained to even think this is corny as another excuse to not hear this. But it's really bizarre how much, you know, the stage just makes you two feet higher. And when you and I talk, we go to a restaurant and talk, we play, you know, you don't sit there and worry about it. And if you could bring that same effortlessness and a little bit of direction, you could go up and be better, you know? And so... But most people are anticipating, and they don't anticipate going to the restaurant, and that they don't realize when they're anticipating and worrying before they're set, they're actually practicing, practicing. They're getting good at worrying. They're becoming yeah. a pro at being in the past and future and how it could go wrong, and then they bring that onto the stage. Yeah. So, but I'll go, I'll go back to that. But so with Tony, I read this book, and one of the things I'm reading in it is it says, yeah, you can't not think about something, but you also can't think of two things at the same time. Now, this... This thing that I was learning then is not necessarily where I am now, but it was the thing that got me out of being this victim to this anxiety, which is basically focus on what you do want. This is a step up. This is basic The Secret and Tony Robbins and stuff like that. Focus on what you do want. And 
most people live their life. This is bizarre, but most people live their life focused on what they don't want. They, if you ask with someone what they want, they'll say, I hate how fat I am. I hate my job. I hate this person I'm dating. And that's like typing to MapQuest, don't take me to Seattle. Yeah. MapQuest will be like, well, that's all I can think of. So we're going there. And people really do, in my opinion, do a lot of pain to themselves because the reason I almost had that anxiety and the reason you've had your anxieties, right, is you're thinking what you hope doesn't happen. I hope I don't do shitty on this. I hope I don't eat it. I hope they don't pass on me. Yeah. And so so I was like, how can, so my mind, in my mind at the time believed I need to come up with some, my mind wanted something challenging and I wasn't giving it any direction. So it was giving me the anxiety as its own challenge. So what it just needs a direction. So I started going, how can I have the number one comedy central special? So I gave myself, this is not at all where I am now, but at the time this was really cool. I was, how can I have the number one comedy central special? So the book kept going that focus is the most important thing, what you're focused on. And then the other thing is your physiology. Apparently they did a study where they took a hundred depressed people diagnosed with depression. They, they said, if you think of a depressed person, they're breathing shallow, they're looking down, they're talking quietly. So they wanted to know what would happen if they made these depressed people jump up and down, arch their shoulders, breathe deep and look into a mirror and smile as hard as they could for a half an hour. Well, after a half an hour, they all felt really good. And after 30 days, they were all undiagnosed with depression. But if you tell a depressed person what I just said, they'll go, I'm not going to smile in front of a mirror because there's a story attached to being depressed. There's a, there's a permission to stay with the same people. There's all kinds of stuff with that. And you don't have to find, you don't have to feel bad about not changing and growing and stuff if you're in that. So this book talks about that. So I did what I called taking my mind to the gym. For three months, I literally would wake up every morning at 6 a.m., jumped up and down and pictured for an hour that I had the number one Comedy Central special. After after 10 minutes of doing it, I'd look back at the anxiety and it wasn't as big. It didn't own me as much. I knew it existed, but it didn't have that same emotional meaning. So I was like, let's keep going. You know, if you can do this with your body, why couldn't you with your mind? So every day I started picturing that I had the number one Comedy Central special and my mind started remembering my favorite gigs. You know, when you have an anxiety, it goes, I hope it's not like that one gig. This was bringing up yeah. the killer standing ovation gigs that I did at the colleges and stuff. And it was like, what if it's like this? What if it's like this? So three months of this, I'm doing this and within a week, the anxiety has gone. The anxiety that held me for three months is all gone. I feel better than before I've even had the anxiety. So I keep going and cut to three months later, I've lost a ton of weight, got out of a bad relationship, made a lot of money, bought a house, did way more gigs, you know, got really healthy. And it gets down to the day of Comedy Central. I fly to New York and I, I'm backstage with Brian uh, and they're like, it's Comedy Central, and I'm with Brian, and I go, did I ever tell you about the time that was like 20 seconds, you know, until we shoot? And I look at Brian, I go, did I ever tell you about the time that I performed at the Fairhaven Bar in Bellingham? I just felt like remembering one of my biggest best sets at the most no-pressure gig. Yeah. Because I guess there were a lot of studies in the book that said our mind doesn't know the difference between what we're thinking about and what's actually happening. That's why if you tell someone a story of what's bad, you, you get sad, and if you tell someone you won the lottery, you're jumping up and down excited. Your mind's releasing the same endorphins now i don't so know like when i tell a story of like when i tell like one of my favorite stories and i start laughing it's because i start laughing because right. i remember the moment because you're there yeah. yeah and and so and and so i mean obviously it, it knows somewhat what's not true and what is but there's still a part of you living there and your yeah. mind's clearly releasing the same it's either like when you listen to a song or, and it pulls back those things right right yeah. muscle memory and you're making a false link too because that song often reminds you of an ex and and it's not even the song's notes that's making you sad. It's a link that you made. Yeah. So I, that's how I created the stage fright. I was getting dizzy while I was on the stage and saying, oh, the stage is where I'm going to screw so up. So you tell Brian about a show you murdered. 
and 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 while they're counting down on the clock, and you so, walk out, and and while I said to Brian, I go, I'm backstage, and I I said, I, I they go, Kyle Cease is here. I'm telling him about the gig, and I go, and the audience was so excited that I was there from the movies and everything, and I said, and I took the audience, and it was like I put him in a duffel bag, and I was flinging him around, and I just I killed for three and a half hours, and then I hear him go, <clears throat> ten, nine, from New York City, Comedy Central presents Kyle Cease, and I looked at Brian, I said, I'll tell you the rest after this, and I walked out on stage. And I felt a lot like I was in that no pressure bar. I understood it, but it was the same emotional feeling. I do the set and the teleprompter's following me because we'd agreed on the set list. But when I got in that zone, I just did what I did at every gig where I just go with what I feel like saying in the moment. And I'm just doing that. And, and, and they also said, don't do crowd work. You know how they said, don't bring the crowd into it a lot, you know? Well, I did a joke where I said, you know, it's so weird. They always tell these... I do a lot of colleges, and they're all in the middle of nowhere. They tell these kids, don't drink and don't do drugs and don't have sex, and they make it so they have to. It's like your choices are Walmart or Susie. It's like, hmm, both are always open. And then I looked at a guy in the front row, and I went, like a vagina, and I gave this guy five. And then, like, out of nowhere, every joke started following with me. Not everyone, but close to everyone. Pointing at this guy, going, like a vagina. Yeah. Like, it's a... And then, like a vagina and giving him high five became my getter done, right? So. Really? And at one point, I'm doing my own set in my own way, and the set list and the teleprompter are following me. And eventually, it's like almost a question mark, and a guy looking out from behind the thing, like, "Are you even?" And then it it was really good. It was a standing ovation, and it was a killer half hour. And it was the I was told it was the most played of of 2006. And then a couple more years of this went by where I just was nailing sets. Now the funny thing was, this was my also way of outwitting myself from really finding out what I'm capable of because basically I just changed my circumstances, but I'm still getting love for those circumstances. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So I'm still in that same addictive place. I'm just, I've gone from a victim to an achiever, but I believe there's farther beyond that. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're not a junkie. You now have a connect out of Mexico that's giving you right. ace of spades and you're dealing it and you also you have the supply right. so you're dealing it so you're never going to run out but you also have that right that part of me that said who I am as a comedian still is thriving yes right that 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 my identity good okay phew that was crazy we almost lost this so in 2009 I was just like how good does this get and then Comedy Central put out their 100 favorite comics for the stand-up showdown mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about that did the stand-up showdown every I'm year certain I wasn't in it so I do not I'm sure you were, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. But so um, I had been after that, you know, when you go from suicidal anxiety to number one Comedy Central special in three months and lose all this weight, at first you link it to the seminar or the book. Yeah. Right. And I think people do this all the time with church. They go, oh, you have a breakthrough, and I think that we have the breakthrough. And then there's a lot of times someone there that makes you think that they did it. Yeah. You know, and you, you, you could fall in love with a cup of coffee if you have the right, you know, change. And that's what addictions are, right? You, yeah. you get in the moment because of a thing, and then you think it's that thing that made you feel that way. But the truth is you were just in the moment, and you associate it with that. So <clears throat> in 2009, Comedy Central put out their one ha- favorite 100 comics. And I had learned so much stuff because after that Tony thing, I spent three years going to Tony Robbins seminars and it was amazing. You know, you'd be around these major achievers, these people that were incredible and you'd be immersed in this world where you have total permission to have your goals and be happy and you'd make things happen and you'd be immersed in breaking down all those belief systems that caused you to not do this. And, 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 you know, you realize that a lot of the world really is in a 
crazy state of worrying when they're safe and and being in a, a place where they're trying to fix stuff that's not broken all the time and it creates a lot of addictions and i loved going and in 2009 when comedy central put out their 100 favorite comics uh, I just thought, how can I win this? And a thing that I'd learned at a Tony seminar is if you ask, can I, your mind pictures yes or no, and you, you kind of are a victim to that. If you yeah. say, how can I, it comes up with an answer. Yeah. So my mind was like, uh, what if you do a podcast every day where you thank everyone who votes for you by name? And I was like, cool. So I announced I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this showdown, and if you vote for me, I'm going to thank you by name. So the first day, 400 people write me, and I, and I do this 10-minute like positive talk, and then I go, I'd like to, th-, and it's funny too, and I go, I'd like to thank 400 names. And I literally sat there and listed 400 names. And all my friends are like, <clears throat> what are you doing, dude? That takes so long and everything. It took 20 minutes, and I was making 400 fans for life. 400 CDs sold. So fucking interesting. I wonder if this is going to be able to pull up. Um, God damn it. What's that? I'm gonna hang on one second. Um... That's so interesting. So we did Birth the Conqueror and uh Well there's more to this. I don't hold on one second. and that's it. <laughs> hold on one second. It's gotta come up. Yes. We did Birth the Conqueror and our opening week was like fucking amazing numbers. Mm-hmm. I said we can do better than that. So I put a tweet out and I said, Anyone who retweets this tweet, I'll sing your name into a song. Mm-hmm. And I had I wanna thank everyone who retweeted my tweet. That's crazy. Yeah. But most importantly, it's the people who retweeted my tweet. <laughs> so I sing like 700 names. That's crazy. Yeah, so. Well, you know, it's weird how many things we tell people come to my show, come to my thing, buy my thing. And they are going, and they're all in that same selfish place too, where they're going, well, what do I get out of it? Mm hmm. And they get significance by hearing themselves be said by someone, you know, by... I, I recently have been... I've been blasting about my book. I wrote a book. Awesome. It's so right It's right over there. What is this? Um, Wouldn't it be weird if it's the same book? I'm like, this is so weird. And I pull out me I with just, a guitar singing your book. I just started my second book today. I did not know... I was like, I don't know if I ever want to write another book. And I just figured out how I want to write my second book. And I'm so fucking excited because there is nothing better than a new idea it is that, I know. I'm, I'm fucking through the roof so i'm started my second book today and i'm having I've, right now right now my uh editor slash publisher yaniv soa is going whoa we haven't even fin- we haven't even marketed this book let's wait for the you know but he's like i'm interested in this next book but i'm telling you I, i'm so fucking excited but um congratulations i started i i've been asking very aggressively people to retweet it and say if they've bought the book and silently I, and I don't want to put it out there, but I guess I'm putting it out there by saying it out loud. I've been following everyone who buys my book. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? You're a fucking fan of mine. I'm a fan of yours. I want you in my Twitter feed. I want to know what you're up to. I want to see the things that, like, I don't, I don't they have go stuff to, in common with you, yeah, too, you know? I, I'm, I'm appreciative, and I'm going to repay it silently. But I, So everyone who's bought my book, I retweet, favorite it, and then I, I've fucking follow them that's so I like, awesome I-, I want them to be able to direct message me uh, they're gonna get a, a, a an insert in the book a signed insert and i want to make sure that they know that i'm really thankful i don't yeah. want to be feel like they're just some quote i apologize for the quote the euphemism but some cog in the machine to get me famous right I- I- i'm appreciative but so well yeah and 
the more you're in that too, the more you enjoy this process versus always trying to get somewhere else and stack these things. Because this thing I was doing when I was thanking the 400 people was so fun. Yeah. I mean, it was so fun to actually hear who they were and you know they'd write a lot of them would write me a letter or whatever and because when i think the 400 names i also was like i was singing their names too a lot and being funny with it and but then what was crazy by the way was i said i i in that moment felt inspired to say i'm gonna do this again tomorrow so bring your friends in and the first day i went from 18th to 8th place with 13 days left in the contest wow i was like oh my god so the second day they all brought their friends in and I thanked 800 names or so, you know, around that. And then I went to seventh place. And then the next day I said, I'm going to do this again. And I every day did like a 10 to 20 minute really encouraging positive thing. So they're hearing this daily and then they're bringing their friends into day, to, to vote. And they can vote again, you know, each day. You yeah. can vote. So the next day I get 1,600 votes and I'm in sixth place and whatever it is. And then 3,200. It's literally doubling every day. At one point I'm thanking people for like two hours. Yeah. Just listing names. Well, there's two ways to look at that. There's one to go, it doesn't matter theoretically how you end up in the thing because you're accruing fans. Right. And that's kind of the goal of what we're all out for. I mean, but I'm sure you realize this also. It would be nice to be the quote-unquote Patrice O'Neill who doesn't have to do any of that and just gets it because he's an amazing comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's, right. a, that's ultimately my goal that's is my to goal release now. a book release a book and not have to ask my fans, well, that's hey, can my you goal. help me? But that's where I am right now yeah. is I need this book to get noticed by people who've never heard my name. And the only way I can do that is the people that know me and follow me and support me to help me do that. And so that by the people pre-ordering my book – that determines how many copies go into right. Barnes and Noble and Target and Best Buy and 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 it's almost like hey listen I'm asking for a favor right you know if you're gonna buy it anyway will you please pre-order it well this is this is the highest at I knew Bert, at Bert, that Bert, time. Bert. Com. <laughs> <laughs> this was that's awesome no they should go to BertBert.com. Bert 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 threes three Berts two would be ridiculous that's awesome yeah two would no, be but 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 that I, but yeah. that that was the highest I knew at the time still if comedy was who I was right then I need to win this to survive this yeah. was my Karate Kid comeback I I think that there's a place beyond that that. Louis C.K.'s clearly accessed that that is where you go how great do I get from letting go of so many things that I don't need you know like I've watched him and I'll talk about that later too if we have time but I've watched him let go of things that everyone thinks that they need and it leaves him closer and closer to what he really is and he lets he's letting go of people's approval and Facebook and old material and divorcing and everything and even HBO at one point you know and he's and it's causing him to just really speak from his soul and it's it's he's got no one to answer to he's got no no watchman yeah and that and that was the switch that happened to me after stanhope so i got to get to that too so, so yeah let's get to stanhope so so anyway i okay I wanna, just, here's what i want to i won the stand-up showdown right so you then, won it yeah i okay. won it i got okay. two hundred and thirty-eight thousand votes so then after that this is how boot camp came about so i got two hundred thirty-eight thousand votes and i was just feeling like wow this is really cool and so many people were writing me like congrats and my price went up everything went even bigger because i just won that and then and then people were like how do you do this and i had this really truly exciting idea of i love showing people this i love talking about this with you i love Mm -hmm. i love sharing this i don't believe that this information i have is for me only that that i've at that point had been a comic for probably 18 or 19 years i'd start when i was 12 so you know like i i wanted to share it 
And so I created this thing where at first it was me teaching it for three days. And then I brought in a few guests and then Louis Anderson came and he loved it. And he was like, I want to partner with you. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we created this thing, stand up camp, and stand up camp was amazing. It really was amazing. And the people that had a problem with it weren't there. They reviewed a movie they hadn't seen. I never, I never went to one. Yeah, I never and, went to one. But I, uh, I've never, pers- I've never personally had a problem with stand-up classes. I bought Judy, what's her name's Judy Gold, Judy Gold, Judy Carter, Judy Carter's book. And I, but my my problem with Judy Carter's book was that that's not what I do at all. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I'm I'm just I'm 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 paralleling the two because people would assume you can't learn comedy out of a book right. or you can't learn comedy out of a class. I've never taken a class. I do know that uh, UCB is very popular and that every person that's on Saturday Night Live learned how to be that funny. They t- all took classes. Every single one of them right. took a class other than the stand-up comics they got hired. I love so, that argument because that was a big argument against me is no one big took a class. And I'm like, well, actually, that's not necessarily true at all. I took a class. single person on Saturday Night Live had to take a class in order – that is how that works. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't assume that the groundlings let you walk in – and then go, well, you know what? Well, let's put we you don't, right to Siren Live from us. Yeah, like, let us let me get you in touch with Laura Michaels. You're that talented. I'm pretty sure they're I like... I think I even heard Bill Hicks took one. Took a what, a comedy class? I heard Bill Hicks took one. I, 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 I'm not... By, by the way, I'm also not equivalating the Saturday Night Live entertainers with stand-up comics. Right. Stand-up comedy is such a weird, personal art form that even when I read Judy Carter's book, I was like, this doesn't apply to me because I don't talk like this. And I would I would hope to God I'm not saying like... What writing her jokes, but that is not to say that a class that someone couldn't benefit out of a class, right? At least getting you know, the one hard thing for me was I was like, How do I get into this? Like, that was the hardest thing about getting into stand up. Was like, What do I do? Just go sit at a club and hope right. someone puts me on stage? Like, what do I do? Right. I just didn't know what to do. Well, and and what I was doing was not any of that it was never you know i've read judy carter's book too and it's it's great to get people started and i'm not knocking it it's just not my thing at all yeah to say you know you write a joke this way set up punch set up punch punch set up you know for me um what i was about was helping people out of their nerves before they went on stage because i now had just done that i had gone out of an anxiety which is which is probably 75 85%, 90% 85%, 90% of the people that are going into stand-up are nervous going on stage. There's, there's a small percentage that get up and literally are in their skin, and they're like, this is what I was fucking meant right. for. And, and, I know, and I know after I had experienced that 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 was all an illusion. Mm-hmm. I had experienced that that it was their thoughts. It's the, it's the story that they're telling. That's my, that's my blueprint. That's my belief. And so I really got excited to, to teach this. Now, stand-up boot camp was something that had never been done before. That's why people had a problem with it. Because if it hasn't been done, their mind goes, well, it must be like these ones. Yeah. And so tons of people just decided that I was doing like a Judy Carter thing. Or they decided I was doing some like Scientology type thing or something like that. Which I've n- I know n- literally nothing about Scientology. I've never been in anything like that. But I started getting those kind of attacks that... We live in a world where if you say anything positive, you must be a cult leader or you must be a, you know, it, it, we, we don't almost have permission almost, it feels like, to say something good without, you know, like every time I even said something positive here, I had to disclaimer with this. It sounds corny because I know comics are listening oh, no, to no. it. Yeah, and, and, and even I will say that, like, I'm, I'm definitely, I, I don't have, I have no dog in this fight. So yeah. I'm, I, I'm sure everyone's like, uh, well, what do you feel about? 
what's your I have I honestly have no opinion. I never went to a stand up boot camp. I know that Brett Ernst did, I know that Ralphie did, I know that a lot of guys that I like all went and spoke at them. And Kevin I love Neely. Louis. Yeah. I love I, I, Louis one of my Louis pulled me aside when I first started. He said I could really help you out. There's some when I when I was doing his uh Sunday nights, he was like, There's a you're really close and I could really give you a little insight and I was like, I would love it and he was like, You do not need to curse. Like you're cursing, but you're not dirty. You're just cursing and it's making you dirty. You could pull that out and you could be so much stronger. Hmm. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. And then I fucking, fucking <laughs> shit the bed. I'm yeah, fucking... but, but what's funny is the, your act adjusted to that swearing probably. In other words, you were probably nice and likable and, and saying fuck, but yeah. now you still have an edge and you still – that you've incorporated yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean there are a lot of it lo- – you mean, know, it's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said for figuring it out on your own. Yeah. It could, because you're, totally. you can't you, – you, I can tell, I can tell every comic that I work with what they need to do in order to get in the right place. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because one of the biggest arguments against us yeah. was these people need to go up all the time on their own too. And what our biggest platform was was to help them get going. Yeah, you know, we were like, like if if a gym had, you know, if like a Bally's gym or something like that had a program to make sure that you sign up but you also keep going. That was what we were doing too. Is like the none of this stuff matters unless you're going up constantly. Yeah, and we were just kind of showing them. Look, you you'll increase your odds better by going up a lot, not just doing one set a month and then complaining about it. Like, you know, we we brought in massive proof of that, and and you know the idea that if you you know there's there, Louis Anderson and and I at the time were making absolute tons of money only not doing stand-up boot camp (laughs) we were making money when we did the road we made no money in stand-up boot camp at all we made none because we would do full three four five day events and we would actually charge 199 dollars the thing that was three thousand was like this giant that it was um, he that he miss he miss what's the word i'm looking for he took what we were doing and took one specific thing. Who's Louis? No, Doug. Oh, Doug. So I'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. Okay. But basically, what I'm saying is, he just took one price point for a giant offer that we had for a big thing that would cost us a ton of money, and said the whole thing is three thousand dollars because yeah. there's a rumor that it cost three thousand dollars for boot camp. It was one hundred ninety nine dollars, and we would have thirty to forty comics in there, and we would do you know just do the math. You know, we'd have you know two three days events where we were teaching twelve hour days. Yeah, and and Louie and I would be in this zone and we'd have so much fun helping them. We'd be exhausted because we worked so much more than when we go to a, one gig for an hour for it's like 10 a day, to 20. It's a day event, right? Yeah, well, it was two. So, but no, I mean, you were, you were working the whole full, full yeah, day. It was two and then there was another one that was three and there was another one that was five. But we were almost spending almost every weekend doing at least two day events where we would work from 9 a.m. till... 8 p.m. or so. And then we'd also usually go do a gig that weekend in that club that we were doing it at. Yeah. So we'd go on the road and we would take these aspiring comics. And club owners were loving it because we were helping comics that had all kinds of issues and, and anxieties and stuff. And, and the comics that went loved it. I can show you tons of testimonials or Who's emails. The, is there anyone that took your class that I'd know now? Uh, do you know Lucas Seeley? No. He, ran, he now is doing the... Um, He's created a room that's really big in Montana. I don't do any and, fucking rooms. Oh, like I mean, uh, I feel like I do the road, and I do like whenever like there's something local that friends are doing, I'll jump on it. But I don't really do. Mo- I'm fucking lazy as fuck. So most of the 
most of the up and coming things from different cities. Now, I'm not saying I'm taking credit for this, but to answer your question, mm-hmm. it, they also happen to be people that went to the boot camp. So, like, there was a thing that came out in Miami, and it was like the top five comics to watch for, or something like that. And four of them were boot campers, like that people that had gone to the boot camp. Anyone? I know. I know anyone. I'm you know what's funny is I just this was four or five years ago, so I'm trying oh. to remember a lot of the names. I would know their faces more, yeah. but if you we look it up, I could. One was um, oh, Oni Perez. Was it? What is it? I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm trying to think of the names I know. And so, what's the guy? He's um, he's Cuban, and he Ricky always talks Cruz? about the bear. He's the bear, and he's so funny. I don't know. And I know I, I feel bad because it's been like three. Right years. now, the, right now, the person is listening to this. I know. Going, Bert. I worked with you too, asshole. Yeah. Why won't you just say my fucking name? People always name? think we're such dicks for not remembering them. They don't get we meet two, three hundred oh. people <laughs> a night. I, mean, <laughs> I drink a lot. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um. But, but in Seattle too, um, there's a guy named Jay. Jay Hollings. I know Jay. Yeah, I know Jay. So real he well. took it, and yeah. and then he became like the MC at the club. But I worked with Jay. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, and, he is. And, I did his podcast too. But a lot of those Seattle guys had taken it, and now yeah. I'm not saying I'm not at all taking credit for because they took it. They did this. In fact, I would also even argue against that that they have that motivation and they're already seekers. So they probably went to us and that we gave them more permission to be who they already were. In other words, like when I was 15. I would um, rent out high school theaters and charge 10 bucks a ticket to come see me. And when I was uh, 16, or when I was 15 also, I remember writing out, are you having a corporate party looking for entertainment? Call Kyle Cease on a flyer and sending it out to every corporation. Jesus Christ. And like, so I'd make a ton of money doing corporates because I'd call the Chamber of Commerce of every city and then I'd get the mailing labels and make a flyer that said, I are you... just started smoking weed. I learned how to roll a joint in 15. Yeah. And I, was, so... <laughs> I was very unfocused. I started dipping tobacco. <laughs> but my, my, my point in that is that... I love talking to you, man. My point in that is that I don't only say Tony Robbins is the reason that I did this stuff. I'm saying that was always in me, too. Just hey. Like, Hi. Hi. Good. How are you? Can we can we put this on pause for 10 minutes? Sure. And keep talking? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, because I okay, got to do I've, the whole thing. Now, I know. There's so much more I want to talk about. Is it happening right now? Oh, just, no, no hey, just come and grab me when it's ready, and, and we'll put it on pause and take it. I'll just call in. It's 225, right? Oh, my, my, I'm sorry. My clock was 230. Okay. Well, no, what time? Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Everyone right now is like, are you fucking kidding me, Leanne? No. Just just call just call in and when it's ready, just come grab me and I'll hop on. So so you no problem. so so in a way it's it, this could be your first foray into what you've done a lot of recently, which is is basically like a seminar, a self help seminar. Which Um it is, but I have I have a problem with a lot of self help seminars too, and yeah. that's that. You know what I love about comics is they come from a very authentic place. They're about truth, and they're about saying what the truth is overall. Yeah, the transformation world is very positive and awesome, but they don't have nearly that same level of authenticity overall. Really? There's a lot more. There's a lot more that I see manipulation and sales tactics. There's a lot, or there's a lot of. Um, and 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 by the way, when I say that, there's. It's not saying some of those people don't deserve money for what they do, but there's just a lot of tricks. Like I, I go up at those events and I speak at other people's events and sometimes I'll call them out because they'll be like – when they do a thing like I only have 10 seats left for my next event or some scarcity tactic to people to yeah. run to the back of the room, I hate that. You know, I, uh, can I, I tell you – And the comic in me calls that out. So I'll tell you that it's the same problem I have with my therapist, which I don't go to anymore because I kept feeling like, yeah, but – 
don't you have a mortgage at the end of the month? Mm-hmm. So like ultimately, as long as you have this mortgage and this office space you need to rent, I'm going to have problems because you need me to pay for that. Right. Like I, I don't I like that. And, and that's what I love about comedy is I am just offering a service to just cheer you the fuck up. And that's what I'm doing even with my seminars. I've seen all your tapes and you're, you are – and I don't watch any self-help stuff, but you clearly have morphed what you believe to be uh, uh, positive practices in life into comedy. Yeah, it is a it is a great mix, and I remember talking to Hefron, not to bring him up twice in one podcast. <laughs> Hefron's like, "I'm getting lit up. When are they going to talk shit? We're never." But Hefron <laughs> was doing Hefron was doing corporate events on Sundays. He'd go into a club, and then he'd do a corporate event. I'm going to say a number, John, and I apologize. You're like Bert. Why are you saying numbers? But it was like 150 bucks a ticket, and he would teach people about public speaking, uh, like corporate leaders. Yeah, and he was like, you know, I may only sell like fucking 50 tickets, but 50 tickets at 150 bucks a head is a lot of fucking money on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so but so and there is a thing is is comedy is so fucking needed. I was I had a big deal with Pris and uh my dog that is in the hospital with the knee surgery. The first night we were going to put her down, I'm on I'm just literally fucking bumming. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I think it was Geraldo is on Comedy Central and they're doing it. And I and I'm listening to him and it's a really inappropriate joke, but it just makes me laugh so fucking hard. And I'm like, "You know what? That might offend somebody, but that little service right there, that that little transaction of him writing material, sending it to me for free, for free, mm. cheered me up and made me laugh, maybe forget my about my my sincere problems for maybe 35 seconds. As every time I think of that, I think of that moment. And I was like, that is and that is kind of what you're doing. You're you're offering theoretically and I, I say self help only because I know that you are into that, having listened to your podcast, reading your posts on Facebook, uh, which are hugely fucking popular. Like I, my post will get like seventeen likes, and I'll be like, "Woo, I'm on fire!" <laughs> you you swim in the the ballpark of about five hundred likes per post. <laughs> so you're very inter- interactive with your the, your fans, but you've morphed it now. So you well, doing- it's funny because a lot of that comes from. A lot of that comes from what I'm doing. When I wake up in the morning, I, 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 this is going to sound weird, but I just sit and I listen to silence for a long time because I have a ton of thoughts that come through. Is it's that my conference call. That? Hang on. Okay. Pause. Yeah. Uh, pause. pause. Show. All right. We're back. We're back. No, 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 no. It's just, uh, just uh, fucking this fucking business. I just want to just fucking, I just want to have a good time. I hear you, man. That's, anyway. That's what I want. So. Where we left off was we were talking about uh, you were doing you were you had gone out you had done you had done a few of them you weren't making tons of money on it um, but yet you were getting a negative feedback from from comics I would hear through the, so okay so we would do these events and they were really amazing we you know we're in our own world in this place where we're getting people out of their their shit we're helping them open up. You end a two-day event, you know, you've immersed yourself in creating. You've been creating for two straight days with yeah. people, you know, and you feel high. And then you'd hear through the grapevine someone else you knew that was a comic would say something. And it would hurt, you know, because that was still back in the point where I am what people think of me. You know, that, that that's, yeah. it's a different place than I am now. It really is because you have to change that. But so one day... <clears throat> 
so I, I'm wondering if we skipped anything major on the way there because I'm now going to get to it. But uh, where we dropped off before you paused it, was there anything we? No, I don't. I, I mean, I'm, I feel like I know. So, so the event was mad. It was really cool. And by the way, my mind started coming up with like 50 other people that have gone to boot camp that did. It couldn't remember all their names, but like Jubal Flag in Seattle has this like a number one radio show and all kinds of people like in yeah. different cities, you know, because we were in every city too. We were doing them in. Minnesota and Chicago and and Denver. I mean, we were touring doing this. We weren't making money and we were loving it. And it was just all going into the website, the travel, everything. And one day we were in Chicago or like a suburb of Chicago. We're doing St. Charles Zanies and doing a boot camp there. And we did a, a an event. It was great. And then I would hear. Th- I remember at the end, I heard through the grapevine that night, like another comic said something about me, like Kyle's gone off the deep end or something like that. And it affected me. And then the next morning, I'm still in uh, St. Charles, and I'm with Louis, and we're at breakfast. And I just said, uh, I said to him, it's really weird the timing of this, because I said to him, I have this thing in me where I really want to get over what people think about me. Because I would hear that, and it really hurt, you know? Yeah. And he was, you know, we talked about it, he's like, maybe it's from your father. Like, we didn't know what it was, and he has a funny voice. And I sat there and I remember at one point even tearing up like I just, you know, and one thing, the way my brother phrased it that was so brilliant, he said with boot camp, he said, you took a Lexus dealership and put it in the ghetto, (laughs) you know, because we're taking all these possible things that you can do and all these great things and we're bringing them to the most cynical, angry people on the planet. Yeah. Aspiring comics who are not only cynical, but they're very vocal about it. And they, you know, life is not that easy. And And it was right around the time when Twitter really kind of started taking off and facebook and yeah and people had blogs at, you know yeah and, and and it also was a point where it's just about calling out shit you know i mean we watched you know comics that we knew that became really huge just get taken down by alternative comics left and right Dane. yeah you know there was a lot of that and so what i'm doing is something that people hadn't seen and and then i'm with louie and i say all that and then i go okay it's time to fly home so i go back to the hotel room and I check my email, and there's an email that says, uh, hey, you con man. It said, I read what Stanhope wrote about you. And I clicked the link, and I'm just like, what is this? Uh-huh. Like, that was already enough that I remember just horrified to even look at the link. And I'm in the hotel room, and I read this thing, and I'm paralyzed. It's this, it's this blog about me where he has brilliantly spelled out inaccurately but brilliantly still that i'm you know you can't you can't teach people comedy i must be preying on their dreams this must have some scientology element to it i must be sleeping with louis all these things and i never was trying to teach comedy I was helping people get closer to who they really were to come up from this authentic place but this blog literally paralyzed me because Stanhope was a comic who I really gave a shit what he he'd be one of those guys where I give a shit what he thinks I respect him but what was even worse is on the bottom you can see it getting reposted and it was just flying right so I just see comics are reposting it left and right and it was just this it was and it was also not too long after Rogan called out Mencia so I think it had that same feeling you know where it was like that's how it felt for me at least I was inside that you know but the thing with me was what he was talking about, what Stan was talking about was a debatable point coming from a position of someone who hadn't seen what we were doing. It was much more assumptions versus calling out someone for stealing material. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and yeah. it was his perspective, and I absolutely respect his perspective, but 
you know, what we were doing was very pure and very awesome. And, and I was very proud of what we were doing. And so I had enough training in me to know, don't get addicted to anything. You know, don't go get drunk. Don't go hook up with someone. Just stay in the hotel. So I called the car that was down at the, at the, it's going to take me to the airport. And I said, go without me. And I sat oh, in that hotel shit. for oh, six days. Shit. But I sat there not like in being a hermit. I sat there because I knew that I was going to learn something new. I knew that this is, I mean, it was hell. But the highest I knew at that point was how to achieve my way out of it. So my mind at first was going through, we'll have another number one thing. I'll show them. I'll do this. Num- I'll kick their ass with this. And I'll have this thing. And I'll show them. And like my mind's focus at first was how can I get Stan Hope to say like, you know, never mind. You know what I mean? So like interesting. That's such a it's such a way it's such a way out of most comics minds is well let me just succeed. And then, and I'll then show everyone them. yeah, like let me get a sitcom and then no one can say anything about me. Right. Which everyone will say way more if you can you know yeah. what I mean. But so I and so I I knew that I was going to learn a new thing. So I just I sat with the pain. It wasn't like I was hiding or running from it. It was that I wanted to just sit with it and just allow this mm-hmm. and the the tony robbins part of my life made me become this achiever that would achieve out of but this time i was just like just stay there so i stayed in the hotel room for six days and just sat with it like i sat a lot on the bed with my eyes closed just feeling this crazy pain like just crazy emotions because it's, it's one of the biggest uh, fears in life is not only uh public speaking but rejection by your peers totally and and <laughs> Not only that, but I had just said to Louie, I want to get over what people think of me. Oh, fuck. So this is right on the tip of your tongue. Well, it's like, I just said I want to get over what people think of me, and now I have to to face it completely. Like, it's almost, it felt, I mean, I'm not trying to say the universe or anything here, but like... No, I believe in the universe. I believe how that works. (laughs) I mean, I don't, but I mean, sometimes an arguable point is, did a magical thing happen or was it coincidence? I don't ever care. I just know that... There's a place that we connect to where we can create better when we're not worrying about what people think about us and we can get into this zone of playing. And when I when I uh, said I want to get over that and literally cried at the breakfast table, I then literally had to face it. And And at first, for four days, my mind in the hotel room was coming up with all these ways to achieve my way out of it like it was just strategizing and it was just a nightmare in my brain it was just like this over you know workers going way too long trying to figure this out how to achieve my way out of it that's a really interesting statement because you know what i mean like i'll get another number one and that's because that's what you think when you have a bad set you're like okay the next one will be way better how do i achieve my way out of it that's a really interesting statement and so and so on day four i had for me an experience that has changed everything in my life ever since then I'm in my room and my mind is coming up with, okay, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. And it's coming up with all these really interesting strategies. And then another me showed up. Like I split into two and another me goes, or fuck it. I don't care what they think. And then a third me showed up that realized I'm looking at the two me's. In other words, like there's the thought world, which is my mind strategizing how to make a number one special and how to be best and everything. And then there's another me that's like, screw it. And then I realized like I was suddenly separate from my thoughts and I suddenly became the observer of my thoughts. Usually I'm in the thoughts, you know, how do I do this? How do I do this? But I suddenly stepped back and suddenly realized I was observing the thinker. So it was like my thoughts were this thunderstorm and I became the sky and not the thoughts. And when I did that, my entire life story, everything literally collapsed in front of me. 
and I suddenly actually was only this moment. I only was sit. I only was a guy. I only was sitting in a room. That was all I knew to be true, and every single other thing was an illusion. Are you and sure you weren't doing peyote? I swear to this God, this seems like such a fucking like I feel empty like and then you're talking to your friends and the fucking feathers are blowing in the wind and you're just like <laughs> i can imagine there's a lot of hallucination drugs that cause people to get to this place but i got it without that and and what happened in fact um i smoked weed once recently and it felt literally no different except for i just forgot a bunch of shit in other words the yeah. opening space that weed gives people like I am in that all the time now. In other yeah. words, it, it, of course, it lingers in, into the old world every once in a while. But what literally happened for me was most people think that their their thoughts are this thunderstorm that they're in, and I I switch from being the thunderstorm to the sky. And when you are in that achiever world, you're going, how do I turn my thunderstorm to the sun and be number one? But like I suddenly became the space that these thoughts were in. So that was my experience. It yeah, might sound yeah. a little kooky and stuff, but like what happened next was I ended up staring at the wall for five hours in absolute bliss. And then I, I stayed in the hotel for two more days and almost forgot. To, I was in heaven. I'd never felt so good in my life. I almost, I forgot to eat pretty much. I just was like, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. Ideas were so, they, the ideas switched to insights, meaning like way more exciting higher things that just showed up when they wanted to and i just felt them and then this was really weird i flew back home and i had a friend over from out of town and we wanted to watch a movie so i tried to put my dvd player uh, put dvd in the dvd player and didn't play it then i tried to play another one it didn't play it <laughs> i tried six movies and it didn't play and then eventually the movie adaptation played and there's a scene where nicholas cage said to his brother he goes in high school there's a girl that you really liked and she didn't care about you and you didn't care she started talking shit about you and you didn't care why is that and the brother said cuz whatever she says about me she can't take away from me how much i love her and then he said you are what you love not what loves you and for some reason the where where i was in that my situation made that sentence not just hit me like a facebook meme being reposted i sat there and i got it when i was a kid and you were a kid all we did was played we just Dude. played we just pretended we were a comedian or a singer or whatever we didn't care how many views we got or how many books we sold or how much money we made yeah we just did this and then i really believe society as time goes on turns us into a consumer you know the news scares the crap out of you and then sells you prozac it's like a beautiful plan to, to get us to suddenly think that we're incomplete the only way i believe that you can get people to buy stuff that they don't need is to get them to feel incomplete and say this will make you something like guest jeans or a beer or whatever you know what yeah. i mean and so i realized if you go back to you are what you love that's your childhood state not what loves you if you're nervous you're being what will they think of me because you're under the illusion that that that'll complete you. So anytime I'm trying to strategize my set or make something really good before an audition or, you know, trying to get, I'm trying to get a job because I think that thing will complete me. And that trying to get it is actually what's going to hinder me from getting the job more than if I just was that child going back into the room, the way Jim Carrey probably walked into his Ace Ventura audition, you know? And, and so for me, then that weekend I headlined the Miami Improv, but on that was that was four days away from when I saw this movie and had this total confirmation of my shift. And I 
didn't have this show coming up as a thing that I wanted to do well. I just was truly in the moment with each thing I was doing. So I'd go to a restaurant and truly care about the waiter that I was talking to. And then I'd go to another thing. And that was actually more important than the gig coming up because that's what I was <laughs> you doing. You were like those really stoned homeless kids. Kind of. Who just are like, hey, man, your dog is beautiful. Yeah, but, like... without, yeah, but without the... <laughs> Yeah, but boy, it's <laughs> well. What's what's weird is that you start finding that every single thing's an opportunity because, like, let's say, let's say tonight that I had a set in front of Obama and it was this big thing, and I'm in my head about, then I wouldn't be able to do good here. But this is an opportunity in this moment, right? And this is what yeah. we're doing. Oh, right I fu- I'm a firm believer in living in the moment. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in slowing down, saying hi to people, smiling at people. And say uh, good morning yeah. and stuff like that. I'm a firm believer in trying to uh, fill up your space with positivity and 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 dump that on other people. You'd be shocked. Yeah. Uh, this morning, especially, I said I rode. I drove up, rode out of the school on a bike, and then I rode back by myself. And I said hi to like six people. Everyone had a shitty look on their face, and I went, God, I'm so glad I'm not in their world. Mm. Like this one woman, I was like, I was like, your bun is pulled so tight that you just look like a bitch. Mm. Like, and and then I said hi to her, and I was like, well, is the bun so tight because she's a bitch, or is she a bitch so she put her bun so tight? Like, I, I, but she, I said hi and to then you her go through her blueprint of her childhood. I was like, God you know damn, I mean? she's just in an unhappy marriage. She didn't have the coffee they wanted at Starbucks. Like, I was like, wow. I was like, I just said, hey, good morning, how you doing today? And she went, mm hmm. And I went, oh, fuck you. Like, yeah. But I, I do I, – I'm a firm believer. I, I don't live in the moment totally because I get wrapped up in thought. Right. And I get obsessive. Well, it's impulsive. harder for uh, – it's hard a lot of times for people like us because we're handed a lot of abundance. We're handed a lot of love every night we do a show. Yeah. We're handed a lot of people giving us attention. We're handed a lot of money. And so these things cause us to go, well, that's really exciting again. And, and, now, and now in this situation, you are t- – the thing that oddly enough is what we kind of – helps identify us with us is the love we get now you're getting dis disin, uh, disingenuous disingenuousness and people talking about you behind your back via stanhope mm-hmm. via the stanhope dialogue and but- and, and doug I, I i bet doug was more shocked than you at the amount of retweets or reposts he got he said he said that yeah. i'm sure he was i'm sure he just wrote this thing thinking no i mean There's i gotta something- be dead honest with you kyle if i thought that I could write a blog about you and and fucking explode my and have this many people still talking about it. I would have done it before Doug. I would have been like, "Fuck!" I would have emailed you and like, "Listen, there's a joke." I'd be like, "Fuck, Kyle Seats." But but that listen is a joke I, would have been. I could have played with it. Yeah, you know, I could have never. I would have never. I would have never in a million years thought. Like when I saw the when I saw the comedy boot camp trailer, I thought two things. I went. Jesus Christ! This looks like it was edited. At what, it was edited very well, mm-hmm. and I was like, "And brother. this is extreme." It was, and I knew it was your brother because I know your brother does a lot of your stuff. I was like, and in my head, I was like, "I should get his brother to cut something for me." But and then, <laughs> and then the other thing I thought was, "This is extremely um, uh, uh, bold and gregarious. It is out there. It is extremely like it is like you were selling a Mercedes. The Lexus dealership is not far off. Like yeah. it was like." <laughs> In a place. You know like, why we were like that? Is because in that room, it was that good. It yeah. was so amazing. Because, you know, when people... We have... Okay, so people are... I believe very much that everyone is capable of a hell of a lot more shit than they think they're... Even even the people that can envision the greatest shit in the world that they could do, they're capable of way more than that. Because what they're envisioning is still from the limited space that they perceive themselves as in that point. Yeah. 
And so when I look at a lot of people, I I almost get frustrated when they sit here and say why they can't. They want to do this, but they can't do this because they have this thing. And I'm sitting here going, dude, you know how unbelievably powerful you are. Yeah. And it's not it's not some corny thing. It's like it's weird. And when you and what the reason we a lot of times don't do that is we have such an abundance of just Facebook ability that we can go on there. And if if you put an animal in a cage, it's going to want to get out of the cage. But if you keep throwing candy in that cage, it'll never want to get yeah. out. And and we have that with just shit that doesn't matter. CNN trials and what Justin Bieber did and and you got, you know. you got kicked off a private jet for smoking weed. I just fucking googled that this morning. Yeah, I'm obsessed with Justin and Bieber. We, and we, but we, with this unlimited ability, we have this addiction to getting all the, uh, mentally involved in all these things that we don't have to yeah. that have nothing to do with us and literally as you start to clear that out you suddenly have insights ideas of things that are either worth a lot of money or could help a lot of people or really would be you at your highest level and and i just kind of am holding that space for people by living that with myself as much as i can was and, it was it was it was it this? I don't. This just came to me in, in you saying that. Was it somewhat frustrating to think that? You, and you had to be aware of this that that Doug wrote a half buzzed blog, carefree. Probably didn't spell check it. <laughs> yeah. And then and literally affected and, my life and and affected your life in a, in huge ways. And he probably didn't realize it had gotten that much traction until like a week later or like a couple days later. Is it? Is it? I think that, yeah, it's funny because when you see just the words and you don't see him saying it, because I saw him do an interview about it like a few days later. and I he, think I saw him do an interview and he was like, ah, I was just fucking around. Like, like, I, like in typical Doug fashion, he's kind of like a, a mischievant. Yeah. You know, like the way that he was just standing and kind of wobbly, you know, and just like, yeah. it didn't feel the same. But I when heard it's him. typed in all black, like in that black framed picture and you're just reading this alone in a hotel room. Hmm. And it's a comic that is like, if I, I would say, like, if Carlin was Led Zeppelin, Stan Hope is Slayer. You know, like, <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> like, where he's just got this, like. Wait, is Slayer the Christian band? I don't know, aren't they? The, I think, no, I didn't. Okay. I don't, no, I don't mean a Christian band. <laughs> Slayer, I'm, who am I thinking Isn't of? Isn't Slayer a bunch of, uh, like. Dark, Wait, did you just give a reference of a band is. you don't even know? I don't know. They're like Huey Lewis in the News, right? <laughs> No. I thought Slayer's a bad like uh, like a fucking like Le- no, if, 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 if <laughs> I was about to say it would be even funnier if you were like he's like Gigi Allen <laughs> but you probably don't know who that is either. <laughs> yeah. So but it's it is interesting because I I listened to Stanhope and I I don't even know if he'd ever remember this. Uh, but I listened to Stanhope one time at the Hollywood Improv tear apart uh not necessarily me but me. Like I was in the back of the room, I just booked some gig called the X Show, and Stan Hope had tested for it, and he had not gotten it. I had gotten it, and I was a young comic who had not. I didn't even have seven minutes to put together. Really, I I could do I seven you minutes did, when you did the X Show, yeah. and I and I booked it because I was hot. I was I had gotten like two development deals back to back. I had NB, I had CBS, then I got uh, or Fox, then CBS, then Will Smith, and now I got this show. And I'm not even doing sets of the Hollywood Improv, and I walked in, and it was in the side room, or it was in the I think it was in the side room, the old side room of the Hollywood Improv, and Doug had a glass of wine on stage, and he was rambling beautifully. I, I mean, like really, 
extreme stream of consciousness, no material, but just hilariously going from subject to subject, right. talking. It was, and I was so impressed. And then I realized he's talking about me. And I was in the back, and he said, and he made a comment. I, I, I can't remember exactly, but he was like, I think I was with Gary Valentine, and Valent, Gary Valentine's losing his fucking mind because he knows what he's talking about. And he's like, I'm not talking about you per se, Kreischer, but I'm talking about you don't know what it's like to do this, 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 and this, and then have no love for you when you go to this or whatever it is. I, I forget exactly the exact words, but he was talking about doing the road, being on the road. Not that he hates the road, but the road is always tough and you get a one shot at something and then it just fucking falls apart and they give it to some kid who can't do seven minutes or whatever he said but it was very accurate it was very funny but it was like holy shit funny makes it so it makes it so much more frustrating because i'm laughing at it knowing i'm (laughs) laughing at me dude i laughed at a couple parts of it too and sometimes i get hesitant to talk about it because i i don't want to give it so much energy you know what i mean but but you know what it deserves the energy it got i mean it's like everyone reading it and it going number one again (laughs) no 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 oh no it i don't i think evolving out loud.com i'm I'm doug's i've talked to doug about uh, briefly about when he comes in trying to schedule a podcast with him and i i think doug is and I he t- said he'd come on my podcast too. He's one of the nicest fucking guys in the world. And I, I know people don't want to hear that. They want to hear that he's this fucking, you know, ramble, rabble rouser who just drinks and Dude, parties. Dude, if he comes on yours, I'd love to come on it with him. Yeah, uh, I, totally. He's one of those guys that when I was on the road finally, all the TV shows go away, all the money's gone. Now I'm on the road with one kid and I'm doing a gig for 700 bucks headlining. And I did not have the friend, friends I had at the time were not the kind of people that were somewhat honest about things that you couldn't just say to them uh this really fucking suck fucking who cares what the fuck dude don't take it stay home yeah like and i just was like i have to take it i want to be better at this and i literally drunk in a hotel room i just fucking took a stab in the dark and sent stanhope an email i was like hey doug it's bird i don't even know if you know who i am or or if you remember me but uh i did the x show and i'm now doing the road i was very candid i was like i'm now doing the road and i am fucking miserable and i don't does it get better? Like, like I'm make. I told him how much money I was making, and that I was drinking. I was very honest, and he just wrote back. It's called the. It's called the quickening sugar. <laughs> Enjoy it, <laughs> and, and then he's like, "Hold on to it. It'll be fine. It gets better. These are the low moments. You get high moments, or whatever." He said, and then like two weeks later, he emailed me. He's like, "How's everything doing?" And it was like, and we became friends through that. And and I and I to this day I. I massively respect him, but I, he, you know, part of what I respect about him is that he may hear something I say and not like it, and he'll be honest about it. Yeah, and that's the one thing I love about people because I'm not that way. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking, I, I'm, I'm very, very guarded now with my opinions because I don't want to offend people or hurt people. I just keep them to myself. Big opinions. I'll mm-hmm. tell you my little ones. Like I fucking think cheese is awesome. I don't can't understand how someone will go vegan, but, <laughs> but like. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And and I know what you're saying when you say you don't want to give it power. There's a lot of things I do not speak about yeah. because I don't want to give it power because it is not in my life right now. And right. I don't want to bring it back in my life because when it was, it had too much power. But but yeah. I, And I know exactly what you're talking about. But, but but I also am not running from it, too. I mean, I'm definitely – it's something that shows up. And one of the greatest things that I've learned since then is that every time I have a thought about it that makes me feel tense – I am in an, in an illusion that I'm in a thought, you know, and, and I get to back up and look at it. In fact, even believe it or not, I've always known you to be an amazing person, an amazing friend. But before I came here today, I even got a little in my head because I have a story about comics 
because of yeah. what happened. And I know you're a real friend and you see it that way. And, and what's bizarre is every time I've bumped into a comic in the last four years, every one of them has been nothing but love and been like, dude, come back over here. And, you know, because like, I took a lot of time off. And, and which was great too, because I finally, you know, this is such a corny thing to say, but I totally met myself and found there's more than just being a funny person. And now I'm bringing these principles back up. And instead of bringing my stage into my life, I'm bringing my life onto the stage. Well, that's, that's what you're working on now. Yeah. Everything I've seen is real. You were the first person to tell me about the secret. Mm-hmm. Literally the first person to tell me about and the I secret. I work with those guys all the time now. Really? I speak with Michael Beckwith at Agape constantly. I'm working with Bob Proctor this weekend. Um, you know, Bob Proctor's the old white guy. That, Who's the black guy with the dreadlocks? That's Michael Beckwith. Okay. So he has a thing called Agape. I'm going there tonight. It's a, it's a spiritual center that's non, you know, religious in, in a way. It's very just like... Can I tell you I'm afraid to go to those things? Because I'm afraid that, that something will happen and then I'll be wearing the red bracelet on my hand and everyone will be like, what happened to Bert? You no, know? Yeah. It's like the reason I don't fuck around with Scientology <laughs> is because is I'm afraid it'll make sense. I had two Scientologists at my house for dinner one night and I jokingly, drunkenly said, so you guys believe in aliens? And they're like, well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't, I, was, I don't have any of that. <laughs> and I go, but no, but I said, and they're like, and I go, how can you do that? And they're like, well, can I ask you a very candid question? I was like, yeah. They're like, what are you? I said, Catholic. And they go, you believe Jesus Christ? I said, yeah. And they go, that he was a man? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, and that he died, and like some moved a rock and came back. I go, well, that's kind of figurative. And they're like, and that Moses actually split a sea, like he parted a sea, <laughs> and that, that they had all these animals on an ark, like really, that really happened? I go, well, those, those are kind of like stories and fables that kind of help and they're like, so wait, you're actually believe saying that this thing you believe in, you don't actually believe in all of it. And I said, yeah. And they're like, do you believe that there are life forms on other planets? I go, there has to be. And they're like, okay. So you actually believe the stuff we believe in, but you're mocking it. And the stuff you believe in, you actually don't believe in, but you wouldn't mock. And I was like, motherfucker, is this how it happens? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, am I getting assessed? Oh, where's Tom Cruise? So, yeah. uh, so that's I like get terrified that I'll get brought into something. Here's Here's what I'm... I'm so aware exists and I'm not about at all getting people to think that something outside of you has an answer. In other words, getting, getting, doing an event or getting a thing going like I've seen so many events where they're just teaching internet marketing or whatever. And then they go, if you want to know more about that, you have to go to my next one. I say very clearly, I'm sure you've seen it in my videos. I am just a guy giving you tools and I've gone and done a lot of my own inner work and we're no different. A lot of times after my events, people come up and they'll be like, what you said was amazing for me or whatever. And I'll be really frustrated because I'm like, I, you can too. Like I see each person as a seed that can become a forest, but they see themselves as a rock. And that's why they end up worshiping shit outside of them and ruining their lives. And, you know, because I believe, you know what I, and what I believe as far as those kind of things are concerned, nothing. I believe that that the more I don't hold on to a belief, the more I'm not wrong tomorrow. I have nothing to defend. I have nothing to. Yeah. I don't. I have. I. I'm just cool with going. I have no clue what happens when we die or how we got here, and I love not knowing. And that, that, that is, not knowing terrifies me. That's the. But that's where the freedom is for me. If you can love not knowing, because I heard you have a thing with airplanes. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. I can get you over that if you want. I uh, know you can't. I no bet you can. I can. No one can. No one can. Bet you a thousand bucks I can. I bet you. I'll just, I'm just going to say I never got over it to win the thousand bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've done it all. I mean, I've done it all. 
I've done everything. Not I've, this. I've done. Well, I've, I've just shy of being in a plane crash. I've done everything that you can do in a plane. Aggressive therapy, stunt pilot, jumped out of a plane, jumped off a bridge, jumped off a. I've fucking been in a free fall in a plane. I'm, I've done it all. Yep. And and I've and I just I've just gotten to a place where I was like like the other day I was I flew sober. I was fucking white knuckled death because I am afraid of death. That is where my fear is my fear lies in the unknown what happens when i die how come i'm not at the party anymore like right. like what what are my kids going to do how come i'm not going to be there to share these things with them You're, i i just feel like i'll never get over that and that is my fear is death not necessarily flying per se i understand that there are more dangerous things that i do on a day-to-day basis right you know chewing food and walking up steps i'm sure is more dangerous than flying but it's just the death man it's just like i need to know I need to know. That's why I wish I had like a near death experience. Just so I knew there was something after. But it's not even that then. You just it's like the control wants to know because you're saying you wanna have it you just you wanna know and it's funny, it's like what happens when you know? No matter what it is it, it's I'm still gonna miss the it's fucking that party. Of when something happens, That's why I drink. I'm getting anxiety just talking about that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like but I now, can feel my chest getting like like balloonish. Can you be okay with that? No. That's why I drink. But no, but what if you just now decided to allow the anxiety for a minute? I've done it. I've allowed it. I've done but you gotta understand that I'm the I am the I am the anomaly to what all these things all these things work for everyone else because they haven't done a lot of shit. Like so like however I have done yeah, but a skydiving lot. and all that shit isn't what I'm talking about. But no, but like the, my fear is of death. Mm-hmm. And so I put my situation in death-defying. I've put my life in death's doorway a number of times. And I'm not using even skydiving as a, like I fought a bear. I was in the water with great white sharks. I've done it all. Mm-hmm. I've had the night where I couldn't sleep, and then I woke up, and I did it, and I get through it. Now, that rush you have the day after is like – I mean, Rachel Ray was like, you're going to feel like you have a secret. And that you get you, and it's going to be beautiful because you don't want to share it with anyone. But it's your secret, and it's the power of life. And I was like, yes, and I did, and then it went away, and then I'm just getting nervous again. I like I I just I get anxiety, and I get through anxiety, and I can get on the other side of it. But um, but I do get it. Like I get it when I get in a plane on Friday morning to go to Omaha. I will get in a plane. And I will not – my new thing now is not to drink before I get on the plane, but to drink on the plane. So I got to take off sober. That's my new thing. Are you free February 21st through the 23rd? Uh, no, I'm in, uh, I'm in Rio. Damn. I want to give you a ticket to my thing because I'm doing a three-day event that yeah. Kelly Carlin's doing with me and uh, uh, George's daughter yeah. and, and uh, a couple other speakers, possibly Marianne Williamson and a few others. Yeah. And um, – my events have been about this, about about getting into the creative state, about allowing the stuff, and the people that have come to it. Like after, because after boot camp split and after Stanhope's blog and everything like that, I went through a shift where I was like, "Well, this is still real for me." So I did it for myself. Did more events. Like the last one, I did had three hundred and fifty people at it, and they really all went through a massive shift because they, and I, I, is, that, is that one of the videos I watched from evolving? You Out just Loud. sent me, you just sent me a video and I, I love that you, I love that you, the way you started it and you're like, I can't believe this started as an idea. Yeah. It's a, it's the power of an idea. Yeah. The pow, power of follow through. It's very true. And I like that you're still, I like that you're, that you took what you believed in and you shifted it into what worked best for you. And that event that you saw, that video, that was the beginning of me speaking for a combined total of about 20 hours, all off the cuff, no set list, no you know bullet points. Yeah. And that's because what happens is that's how we really are all day. You know what I was saying at the beginning, like at a restaurant and all that stuff. So 
my job is to get out of the way of myself and stop thinking of myself as this past story and this past, this future story. So in my way that I'm, that I'm literally, I'm literally feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm blocking. And I know, I know that, um, and I, I sure don't want to sound like the Scientologist, but I swear to God, if you have an interest in actually getting at, I, I, I've gone through something that is really bizarre and, I actually can help you with it. You don't have to. I don't. I don't have. No, any I'm, I'm up for everything. But I've done. I feel like I've done. But already, so what you're saying shit. right now. So, can I? Can I? May, am please? I invited to say something? That yeah, I think? of course, please. So, what? What already? What you're saying is already a story based on your past. <laughs> yeah. And you're only this moment. So your mind is actually literally grabbing onto a past story and saying that's how it is now, when you could just allow that story to be and and not use it as a way to in other words we do this all the time like like when i'm about to before i would be about to do a set and if i had a bad set before which rarely happened (laughs) very good um and you know i'd be like oh i hope it's not like that one the girl would be the would that i'd be with would be like baby you're gonna do great or whatever and i'd be like no i'm not like it wants to the ego would rather be right over happy it would rather prove it would rather prove me wrong with that that it's totally doable because it is doable. If you have evidence of anyone overcoming shit, which I sure have, and the people that have gone to my events have, and many people in this world have overcome a ton of stuff. I get very passionate about this because I, I feel like someone who's gone skydiving mentally and I'm on the ground safe and I actually am identifying all the illusions that every person's under that's about to skydive and most of them check in with other people that haven't skydived yet. So those people want to give them justification for not skydiving. Yeah. So they go, Oh, you know, you shouldn't jump. You shouldn't go do this because then those people will feel better that they're not doing it. Yeah. So when you, if you really it's like want- going to a bar and talking about quit drinking with a bunch of drunks, right. They're going to yeah. be like, they're going to be like, dude, you can handle it. Moderation, man. Right. And most Stop doing rather, shots. <laughs> and most people would rather connect to other people and stay shitty. They'd rather get connection over growth. And, you know, when you finally are going, you want to, it's a, it's a matter of you'll, you'll comprehend. Th- you're, you're hearing it intellectually right now, but eventually you'll flip it emotionally. Is there, is there something to be said, though, that I feel like I'm Pavlov's dog? So I've trained myself to go... To start getting nervous when I know I'm about to fly. Right. And so despite all the positive thinking, and I'm a firm believer in positive thinking, and I'm a firm believer in goals. And, and so my goal this last week to fly was I am not going to drink before we take off. Right. And, if I, cool. get, and if I can get myself on the plane sober, sober, and get lift off, and I'll busy myself, and I just – then I'll be fine. And I got there, but what the problem is, it's just like Pavlov's dog trying to teach him not to salivate it every time he hears the bell is like, I'm hearing the bell and I'm salivating and I can't stop salivating. And it's like, yeah. I'm sh- I was shaking on the plane. So you remember how I was talking about going from the victim to the achiever? Okay, well, after Stanhope's thing happened for me, what happened was I went to a, a later stage in, in the in what I believe to be different levels of consciousness that are available, you know, different places of spaces that you can be in. In other words, like, which that's wholly sounded like Scientology, I think. But like, <laughs> but here's what I mean by that. This is this is a book Michael Beckwith from The Secret wrote that I yeah. love. And he talks about in Life Visioning. That black dude wrote The Secret? Or, he, he was in The Secret. He wrote tons of books. Okay, okay. Uh He's I thought it was huge. brothers he, for some reason that wrote The Secret. Who? Two brothers. No, it's a, a Two dudes, Australian right? woman named Rhonda Byrne. Oh, who really? Made the Secret. Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, so there's so so if you think of there's all kinds of different places you can be, and there's definitely 
there's the person that's a victim we know, and then there's a person that can achieve a ton. So we know a lot of people who say, I can't do stuff, and then they just sit at home and do nothing. And then we know there's the Donald Trump type people of the world that can achieve a bunch of shit, but they don't seem very happy. They achieve a ton of shit, but they're always achieving more because they're like where I was in 2008, 2009, going, when something happens, I'll be happy. So I kept achieving a ton of shit. Well, you're in both one and two, and those two victim and achiever places, you still are in control of everything, right? Because in the, in the victim mentality, you're going, um, I'm pissed because this happened to me or my mom did this to me or my ex did this to me or whatever. And you're in a place called to me, right? You say everything happens to me. So if you're in a state of to me, your entire life is literally run by what your circumstances are. So people are all crazy and they're upset because of something that happened in the past, which it doesn't exist, or they say this thing. So then when you start to figure out what happened with me in 2006, when I went from suicidal anxiety to number one, I suddenly was in a second place of like, by me, where I go, this whole thing's run by me. I can have the number one Comedy Central special. Both of them require my control. I still had to control everything, but when Stanhope wrote that blog, my control of my circumstances were too overwhelming and I had to let go of control. In other words, I had to let go of control of what people thought about me because 10,000 comics suddenly had an opinion. Was there, was there a point where you started, where you went to that old thing and tried to do like damage control where you're like, well, let me just write a blog in response. I did did write, I did write a blog a little bit in, in, from that hotel, but, uh, that, that it was just a coming from a place of love and it was just trying to do something no one cared but when but when that happened i can't control that situation so i have to completely let go i don't have a choice it was like death i don't have a choice i'm dying my story is dying my reputation every single thing is dying and in what that is called in michael beckwith's book life visioning is that you're going to a place called through me which is where you actually have to release control there's a lot of abilities that show up here because if I'm in control of that, I, ha- I can know how to have a good set, then I'll be spending all day doing that exercise you talked about doing the collegial exercise, trying to figure out how to have a number one set. But if I get to a place that's beyond that where I release control of how it goes by comprehending that how it goes doesn't complete me, then I'm in a much freer place. And what I do is I play all day and I'm actually enjoying all day because I don't care what my circumstances are. So I enjoy this. I enjoy this talk with you. When I'm in the car on the way to the next podcast, I'm going to enjoy that drive. I enjoy the thing. And eventually your circumstances literally don't run you at all. If your circumstances run you, then you have to control everything. So... God, it's exhausting. It's like when I had this guy when I the first time I ever like took a big chain look at my life and tried to clean up everything, like get healthy, work harder, work smarter, drink less, not fucking eat like shit. And he was like, and he was like, he feel he was like, I feel like you're trying to do a lot of things. You're trying to keep things in check where you can, you know. He's like, wouldn't it be just nice if you just let go of all that and you just fucking just just were and i was like i didn't make sense and now i get it a lot more now i have an example of uh, the parallels between the two because a year and a half ago i did an event in vegas and i wanted to fill it okay so if i was in the achiever mode i'd maybe write a thousand people and say i have my event coming you know and hopefully 150 people will buy tickets but check this out i instead meditated and within four minutes i just felt because when you when you close your eyes and you just listen for a minute, 
you're, you're, you hear these thoughts going on, and then eventually you start to observe the thoughts. So you move from being the story of your past because you realize that past is all just a bunch of thoughts showing up to this moment that's just observing that story, okay? So I ended up closing my eyes, and then I came up with a thought that, God, it, it was during Obama and Romney were running against each other, okay? And everyone was saying how much they hated the other person and those followers, right? So I had a thought about that and I ran into the room and my friend Diego was in the room and I said, put the camera on. I want to do a riff about this. So I did this six minute riff about Obama and Romney and how that's all an illusion. It's called that video is called dude. It's right in front of you. And so if you look online, you can type in dude, it's right in front of you. I go on this rant about how we're, you know, we only care about the economy because we don't get that we're unlimited beings with the ability to make any website, use any YouTube. You have Facebook, you can write any human being with Facebook. Yeah. We have the ability to do anything we want right now. But if you Fuck think... Fuck pen pals. This is 2014. Yeah. You can put your word out to everyone in Croatia. Right. <laughs> well, and I, and I went on this riff that came through me. The reason I, you might notice that I can suddenly talk fluently it comes right through because i'm not blocking what's coming through i'm not trying to say the right thing or get someone to like me it's just so i made this video from total authenticity and while he was editing it he just cut it from like seven minutes to six or whatever and i said at the end oh mention my event i said mention that i'm having my event so he said kyle's having a three-day event and then i said say that you can name your own price because everyone's problem is, well, these things are too much. You can name your own price. You can come in for five bucks. I don't give a shit. Same with my event, February 21st through 23rd. I'm going to say on this to this podcast, and I've not said this to anyone, you tell me what you want to come for because it's awesome. And it's go to evolvingoutloud.com if you want to go to it. But when I said, see, that just came through right now as an idea, right? Yeah. So now I just sold more tickets probably, but that's just because I'm in that flow, but it'll change their life. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but you are. Yes, but I'm also like I feel like I'm in that flow sometimes. But then I say things, and everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah. We can't fucking do that. You have a fucking you have bosses to, to answer to." Like I was like I yeah. was I was going to say because someone asked about uh, signed things to put in the, my book, and I was like, "Oh yeah, guys, I'm saying it right now. This is my example of me doing that. I am signing a placard to go into every single book that is a pre-order because I want you to have an autograph something of me, be it a Topps trading card, which I've just we've just finalized the deal with Topps. We're doing trading cards." or be it uh, a copy of um, something from from the book thing. I got it. Now I yeah. can hear Yaniv going, whoa, 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 Bert. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the fucking infrastructure to do that. Well, that, but that, okay, so, but that's for, for that and those guys, but you doing it with your own YouTube stuff or whatever. I mean, that's kind of how Louis C.K. is working. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And so, but, uh, so I then said you can name your own price on that video. And then- I implore everyone, by the way, if you're in the LA area, mm-hmm. to go with this podcast is very large in in southern california awesome so go go see what kyle's talking about i'll tell you what go see it hit me up on twitter hit kyle up on twitter give us your assessment i i I have a feeling that i have a feeling that there it's it is literally impossible to go to one of your events and a not laugh and b not not have a good just have a not have a good time you're going to entertain but not get like just talking to you here i've got like three or four things where i'm like motherfucker i gotta change that about me like (laughs) like you're you're kind of right is that i am living in the past when it comes to flying i'm totally living in the past i'm talking about my past fears when i think about flying on friday i'm thinking about the time i flew over nova scotia Mm -hmm. and i i think about that i don't think about you're you're not scared of flying your story is not is scared of not flying your story's scared of flying yeah you're you're uh, 
a, a collection of thoughts. I fly. A story. I fly two hundred thousand miles a year on American Airlines uh, every year, and I fly a lot. I fly a yeah. lot more than the average person. But so I, I am. T- but my problem is I drink on planes. That's the thing I'd like to get. I'd like to right. stop drinking on planes. I can totally fly anywhere if I'm drunk. Dude, I used to drink in my twenties on stage all the time. Well, I still drink in my forties yeah. on stage. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but what? Well, what I was going to say with that that video we put out. It just said, name your own price. And then we sold like 150 tickets that night. Yeah. And it was because of an effortless thing that I couldn't see because it was just an insight idea that showed up within three minutes versus if I, in, a, in an achiever state, tried to make it all happen. What if I did that with my book? Name your own price. You pay your own price above, of course, $27. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like... Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> I fucking the cynical comic in me is just I'm literally all these great marketing ideas. I'm like I'm beholden to too many fucking people. Yeah. Like I have too many bosses that are like, whoa, 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 we agreed. I have a contract <laughs> that says I'm not shitting on you, Eve. You know I love you. What's uh it is you have twenty minutes to get down to levity. Do you need to leave? <laughs> I do gotta go. I've, I, I'll, I'll call I'll them let's on do the this way. again. Let's do, do this again. Want. I'll do more with you in the next I, couple I, days. I'm, if I'm you in want. town well, I leave I do something tomorrow and then I leave Friday. I'm back Monday, Tuesday. You want to hang out next, yeah, next dude, week and do I'm another one? Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with you. Yeah, man. this is a lot of uh, – I, 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 I'm going to put this out – I may put this out Thursday night. Wait, what, what's tonight? I may put this out Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah, just to – because I, I have a bunch that I need like – I did one with Ari Shafir. I love Ari to death, but God damn it, I have to fucking edit that. Oh, like, really? Oh, my God. Ari fucking <laughs> – just Ari just is such an open book. I, part of me wishes I, and I know people are like, oh, don't edit it at all. But I talked to Ari, and I there are parts that that Ari was not comfortable with, and I wasn't comfortable with. But we enjoyed clearly as a team so much yeah. in the moment. But you know, once you make a podcast, you put this out there forever, and people are ba- can interpret it anyway. And and now even saying that, I'm going to probably leave in. Some big chunks. Yeah, because now they know. Yeah, now they know, and now I'm like, well, I gotta leave that in. They're gonna, they're gonna be like, this podcast sucked, but it was really fucking yeah. fun. But like, so I bet yeah. he and I were almost the same interview. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, it's God. so redundant to have Ari Shafir. No, Ari was uh, Ari's such an interesting person because he comes in the man cave and he'll sit. He'll he gets the mic that can walk around, and he just as you talk, he's going through your man cave and he's like eating combos, and he gets into the fridge. You have any more drinks in here? Like he's just he really is at home. In yeah, who he is. He's got that's cool. He's really found, and I say found, but I I don't remember him before it. But man, his voice podcasting does one of two things to you. It either it either makes you more interesting to listen to on stage, or uh, well, I guess that's it. Really, <laughs> hopefully that's I think what it, it gives does. You, it, you, as we do this all the time, you know what's cool about podcasting is we've always been hesitant to write because we like instant rewards. And writing without getting that instant laugh feedback, especially yeah. like you and the type of comedy you and I do, yeah, you know, we like that quick thing. I can just riff and do a joke. Like it's very hard to have the discipline to like write a book where you don't get that instant "you're so awesome" every other sentence thing. And so um, with a podcast, we can be developing our voice coming up with content as it's not even coming up with content we're just talking but that's where the greatest content comes from is no trying it's just in real moments and hearing what our voice is and not having you know it's just a great podcasts are a great way to get you to write they really are they they really are and i don't write and i don't it doesn't help me write as much but it has changed my dialogue on stage yeah i'm a lot big more of a storyteller now only because 
podcasting has given me the forum to explore storytelling a little differently. I don't know. It's been I don't know. Let's do this again next week. Yeah, I'll let and, you head out to Levity. And if people would like to make a deal with me for to coming to the event, if you, you know, the t- we have it's it's these hotels are expensive and stuff. So th- we're asking three ninety nine for tickets. But if your listeners want to come for any deal at all, you know, there's there's it's a sm- it's a small theater inside the Westin Hotel by the LAX airport. Um, but it's a three day event that I promise you is awesome, and you'll get something out of it because what it is is it's an immersion of. You know, getting away from all of our habitual, you know, smartphones and Facebooks and surrounding yourself with ideas and people that, you know, there was a study that if you take your 10 best friends and average it out, that that's your health, your income, your weight, everything. So, you know, if you're obviously around 10 obese people, you're going to start eating cheese fries. If you're around 10 health nuts, you're going to get healthy. And if you're around God, 10 millionaires. God, friends with Rogan. He just leveled that out for everyone. <laughs> like, there's no way I can have Tom Segura and Joey Diaz and Art Shavir. <laughs> I... I'm Joe Rogan's gotten massive conscious and I love his podcast. He's, 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 I haven't done his podcast before. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is the people can, um, write me at my email, which is Kyle. This is actually me, Kyle Cease, K Y L E C E A S E. And then the word contact C O N T A C T. I thought you were going to say con man. <laughs> Kyle Z's con, con man. man. Yeah, that's uh, so funny. I thought you were gonna say that for a second. I was like, man, that email must have really hit you. Yeah. Well, what do you think Kyle's cult is about? Kyle's, Kyle's cult. I fucking, I loved the name and I listened to it. And what's beautiful about that podcast is sometimes they are not fully fleshed out thoughts. They're your theories working out a theory yeah. on positivity, and they are fucking comical in in essence. Like that one I listened to you with, you and Diego. Mm-hmm. It was you and Diego, and you guys were talking about the future because the future begets the present, and, and, and you were talking about – I was just so fucking – it was I so fun. Was. I was really, la- I was like laughing, but I was like, that kind of works. And then me, I think I did it with Tom Segura. We did it to each other, but we just fucking, it all went to food. <laughs> and we were like, well, that meal was great. And he was like, I know, man, I could eat that again. <laughs> that's so, that's so hit him at it up at Kyle, K Y L E C E A S E contact, C O N T A C T at Gmail. And they can follow me on Twitter and, and Facebook and all that stuff. Follow them on Facebook, man. There, there is there's a lot to be get from Kyle on Facebook. Your fans are rabid. Your posts are daily. They're they're always a big thought, and it gives you something to chew on for the day. You really are. That's you so really cool, have owned man. that space. You know, you, a lot better than a majority of us. They're saying you can't see the label from inside the bottle, and it feels so good to, especially from a, a fellow comic, hearing cool stuff about what I'm doing because you know All I thought about was drinking when you said that <laughs> I was like I'm always inside the bottle oh wait 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 oh other things um so yeah and then send him an email and tell so him good. say the machine sent me can I get a yeah. deal on the thing yeah and and uh and work something out go down and check it out uh, and, and and we'll talk again next week I know you gotta run I've yeah. gotta do voiceover this fucking I just wanna I I uh, do you hear me I'm bitching about the present when I I, like but, I'm going. Oh, I wish I could go back to being a young comic. Well, in our, shit all day. I, and by the way, I remember one time being in a car with two comics, and I heard one comic saying to the other one, "God, you got on Conan." And the other guy goes, "Yeah, but you got to do Montreal." And I just was like, "If those two credits switched, you guys would still be bitching." Yeah, you know. And everyone just ego just wants whatever it can't have, and it's always saying that it's in lack, and that's an illusion. It's not real, man. And and uh, it's also you know when you're saying, "Oh, I got this thing." 
I find it's fun to say no to a lot of things too now. I haven't I, said no to a fucking thing in forever. Yeah, it's just it's nice because Luckily I'm working in travel and anything they bring me I say yes to. But like I even to other things, to other gigs well, and I'm not tra- travel aside, I oh, I've always said yes. And I think that gets me. Well, one thing that's huge for me is I realize when you say no to something or you or you just let go of something that you're tired of holding on to. This is something my buddy Diego said that really changed my life. But you can always measure what you lose when you let go of it. So like you're about to break up with someone, you can see you'll lose that person. You can never measure what you'll gain. So if you, you which is 7 billion people just suddenly became available, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're bisexual and willing to date everyone. <laughs> but, but, you know, you're in a job you don't like and you're scared to leave because you need to pay the bills. But you don't realize how much money you might be losing by staying in a job you don't like and giving yourself 40 hours a week of of not your innovation of you being in a place and when you let go you suddenly force yourself to look for bigger opportunities and you can't see it because your perception of yourself is in such a low status because you're sta- you wouldn't have that job if you knew you were better than it so it's i can talk forever about this but that's what this event is about and people will feel permission to leap from situations get more creative with their stuff and it changes the course of your life it really does go everyone go kyle sees Con- contact contact at, at gmail.com gmail. hit him up get the details follow him on twitter follow him on facebook we're doing this again next week i will post this thursday so you will have heard that i'm in omaha this weekend already awesome. i hope you guys come out eric oh okay yep. all right my voiceover's here i love you guys thank you kyle for doing this Thanks, thank buddy. you man i Good appreciate you, it man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.